Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Nordic Football Podcast. We're back. Hope you've enjoyed your week. And things are going to take, and we're going to take this up a level now because we're, we're in. We're kicking into second gear here because we've already had. We've already sort of covered the Svenskan for the last few weeks. And as you know, anyone who follows us on this podcast, if you're new to it, yeah, we don't just cover one league on this show. We cover two leagues uh, in extensive detail. So it's time. It's Elita Serian time. It's Norway. Uh, the season in Norway, long awaited. It starts this week. And finally, we're going to have some action in the uh, Norwegian League, the Elita Serian. So it's going to be a very exciting week ahead. And this episode is going to be a season preview in which we bring you coverage of every team, you know, our predictions, um, a, t- a sort of table. We're going to predict every single team in the table and their final position uh, and bring our 10 to watch. So, uh, Hope you're ready, Mr. Steve Wiss, Meatman Soccer, our Norwegian expert, because today is your day. How are you today, Steve? Hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm all right. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. You know, this this date has kind of cropped up on us a bit, really. Um, you know, 10th of May, that's the that's the first uh, match. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be very exciting. Obviously, it's about a month later than normal. But, um, you know, it's here now and there's a bit of, as I'm going to talk about soon, there's a bit of sort of confusion with the fixture lists and a few quirks, certainly in the first few rounds uh, regarding that. But yeah, Alita Serian is back for another 30 games in, in the year 2021 and I can't wait. Yeah, can't wait indeed. It's going to be a very uh, interesting season, certainly. There's been a lot of changes, um, a lot to talk about, I think, as you said, you know, a lot of delays and things like that. Uh, I believe, Steve, the last time we really talked about uh, Ospen- uh, sorry, Elita Serian in detail was all the way back in December for our uh, Christmas special podcast. So we have touched on, obviously, Mulder and a few other teams this year in 2021 on the pod, um, you know, in, in, in some detail. Obviously, Mulder's European run, uh, getting to the latter stages of the Europa League, had a really great run. But really, Steve, we haven't really talked about Norway in... Uh, a good sort of four or five months now. So um, have you missed it? And uh, what are the sort of headline changes that maybe we're, we're looking at at this moment in time? You know, you mentioned the restrictions, for example. Um, you know, firstly, though, have you have you missed the old league? Are you ready for it? Uh, I've missed it, yeah. But, I, you know, I've enjoyed actually uh, looking into a lot of uh, the Arsvenskan stuff. As I said about a month or so ago, it was um, a really good chance for me to get more into Sweden. And uh, yeah, I've watched a fair few games. So I've enjoyed it. Um, I feel way more briefed in on on the swedish league than I, than I used to be and you know it's given me another month to prepare uh, but of course of course i've missed the league and you know by this stage we'd normally be you know probably five or six games in so uh yeah i mean one of the reasons it has been delayed is because the, you know there's very strict regulations in norway over coronavirus and, and everything like that there's been a number of teams I mean, there's a reason why there's only five teams sorry, five matches in the first two rounds because there's been certain teams that weren't allowed to get back into training and and, and, and things along those sort of lines uh, and a, late, a later date compared to some other clubs. So it's not until round three we see the full complemented teams actually in action. There's quite a few midweek, mid-week, midweek fixtures in the opening few rounds, but similar to last season, actually. Do you remember when the Elite Serien started in, in June last year? It was really gung-ho for quite a lot of while. And I think, do you know what? I think the first half of the year, half of the season, the first 14, 15 rounds, it's going to be batshit mental, to be honest. And I think only sort of after 
you know the middle of the late mid to late summer we're going to get more into a nor normal sort of routine so um yeah it's going to be as I say, similar to 2020 i think in terms of the first half of the season it's going to come out as really hard really fast and you know i've got to be on my toes you've got to be on your toes as ever on this show because i'm going to put you to the test in this next hour or so we're going to delve into every single team and yeah I'm, I'm i'm quite excited about it i'm quite looking forward to it i can take a back seat on this one uh, if you've not listened to our old fence can season preview then you know dig back a few well about a month or so now and you're welcome to listen to that as well uh full preview of every single team in sweden so uh, the league is obviously up and running now but you know still if you want to get briefed on it if you want to know more about the team in sweden then uh feel free the um norwegian football federation as you mentioned steve has been quite sort of uh you know, maybe there's been a lot of changes, hasn't there, in terms of dates and things like that. Um, there was an announcement in April that due to the delayed start to the Elite Serien, um, the transfer window was also postponed, I believe. It was postponed from uh, April 29th to, tw to 12th of May. Um, from, it was originally April 17th to April 30th, I believe. There was a sort of a, a, a middle transfer window, uh, according to the Norwegian Football Federation's website. And it seems like, like you say, there's been you know very sort of um, no tolerance for COVID really, which I suppose is is, is quite a, a you know an understandable stance and quite quite a welcome stance to a certain extent. But uh, I know there's been some frustrations in Norway. Some people we follow on uh, you know in the region have been a bit frustrated, maybe not being able to to get involved. Um, Steve, I wanted to you know just let's begin this show with a, a wider overview of Norway because. Uh, you mentioned you've been watching quite a lot of Sweden. You've had a chance to sort of dig into this league, and and Osvenskan has been very exciting, hasn't it? And uh, you know we've had quite a good few shows on Osvenskan in the last few weeks, and I've quite enjoyed um, you know, the content. And hopefully you, as a listener, if you're listening, have enjoyed what we're putting out. How would you compare for those who maybe have are new to the show in 2021? Let's say you know if you if you if you've just sort of started listening to Osvenskan coverage, and now you're thinking about the Elite Serien coverage, how would you compare Norway to Sweden in terms of what you've seen, in terms of the quality of the league? Is there anything different in the league to look out for? You know, what's your, you know, comparisons from that point of view? And also, what attracted you to this league in the, in the first place? Because, you know, we, we've both got backgrounds in our respective leagues. Um, for those who don't know, give us an overview of uh, your background in this league. Gosh, yes, I've been following the Norwegian league for a good uh, 15 years now, really. It was just one of those where I initially was looking for a summer league to focus on, really, and uh, it, it kind of stood out. I used to... I follow all of the North, the Scandinavian leagues really, and this is just the one that I always sort of preferred to watch, and I performed better at in terms of match betting and things like that. And we we always have this kind of debate, don't we? What's the better league, Sweden or Norway? There's ultimately not a lot between them, and I think it kind of rotates year on year. The big difference is um, obviously when crowds are back, there's, there are bigger stadiums in in Sweden and that, and um, it's nothing quite like that. the Stockholm derbies and stuff. Um, I don't think Norway can really compete in that sort of way, although it's certainly not less passionate. I think the Norwegian League is a little bit more, um, it's a throwback to old times. If those of you who like watching sort of 1990s Premier League, late 90s, reminds me a lot of that. It's a very physical league. You can get away with, sometimes challenges going in Norway and I'm like, bloody hell, he's off here. Or at very least it's a yellow card and sometimes the referee doesn't even give anything. And, you know, it's, it's quite an, an honest league, I always think. Despite there are foreigners in, in in the division, I don't think you see as much diving and stuff compared to a lot of other leagues. Um, I'm not saying Sweden's like that, but I feel like Norway sometimes a little bit less technical than Sweden, uh, more physical. 
Um, but, um, you know, it's certainly not any less in terms of quality. Look at Moldy, you know, they've had a great run in the Europa League, things like that. So it, I don't think there's a lot to choose between the two leagues really, really these days. I think they're both actually in a fairly healthy state. Yeah, good uh, good overview there. Thanks for that. And uh, it's good to get your background as well and, and your experience in the league. I mean, what you just said there kind of is backed up by the evidence according to UEFA. You know, Norway is the 22nd best league in Europe according to uh, UEFA's 2020-2021 coefficients. And uh, Sweden's just right below it in 23rd. So they're, you know, partners in, in neighbouring countries and neighbouringly ranked. So, um, yeah, uh, Sweden is 0.5 coefficient points behind Norway. So, you know, uh, Mulder will have done a lot of work in, in uh, increasing that. In fact, they gained four points. So they've leapfrogged them um, because of that run from Mulder. Um, let's see what Malmo can do and other teams in, in, in Europe can do in Sweden to maybe um leapfrog Norway for next season but uh yeah they're both uh as I say 22nd and 23rd in in, in Europe so yeah you're right they're, they're very very similar in terms of probably overall quality and performance in Europe certainly um and I suppose if you're comparing the, if you're saying what's the best league in Scandinavia the answer is quite clearly Denmark uh who are currently 14th in UEFA's coefficients so that's the overview that's the background of Steve that's the situation in Norway now let us begin our season previews because, um, well, it's going to be a really exciting season. Um, Steve, we're going to do it in the same way that we do every season. We're going to sort of predict the league. Uh, I think we're going to start with the champ, your predicted champions. Before we do that, I'm just going to run through the table from last year for those who may not be aware. Uh, so top six last year was Buda Glimt champions. First time in their history, only lost one game in 30, 103 goals scored. A quite incredible season that will probably go down in Norwegian football history. Uh, an unbelievable year, as I said, and we talked about it many times last season. Second was Molder, uh, a good sort of uh, nearly 20 points behind Budaglimt. Um, third was Valarenga. Fourth was Rosenborg. Fifth, Christiansund. And sixth, Viking. Um, so that was the top six. And I won't go through the mid table teams because uh, you're going to predict these yourself. But uh, t- other teams of note. Uh, Mjondalen survived uh, the relegation playoffs and stayed in the league. Start and Arlesund were relegated. And so we've got two new teams in the league this season, which you're going to tell us about. But uh, Steve, it's a 16-team league, but only one team can win it. So let's begin with your overview of the champions and where you think they will finish. And they are Buda Glimt. Yeah, we always kick off, don't we, with the defending champions. And as it happens, I actually think they're going to go back to back and I think they're going to regain their crown. So that they are my prediction for the gold medal. And um, what a sensational season they had. Like you said, 26 wins out of 30, one loss, 103 goals, 81 points. That's never going to be repeated again, I don't think. I don't think we'll ever see that again. If they improve on that, Jonathan, I'll I'll eat vegan for a week or something. You know, it's just not going to happen. Um, simple as that. <laughs> It's um, it's just I, I keep some people keep asking me like you know is that a, have they done a Leicester City you know like a once in a lifetime thing it's never going to happen again and the thing is it's different in Norway um you know that's a nineteen point gap they had on Molder and the question is they're gonna they are gonna drop down um below that mark it's a question of how far down um but ultimately you're not just gonna they're not just gonna go from first to like mid table it's just that doesn't happen. If you look at the stats from last year, you know they were they were, they were at the best in terms of expected goals, expected goals against, expected points. 
Although one thing I'll say about the expected points, this is according to Y Scout stats, their expected points were 64, and they so they overachieved that by 17. So you know they got the most out of last year. Um, it's you know when you look at the actual squad itself, you know those who are sort of uh, negative on Glimp this year will be will point out that they lost Philip Zinkenagel, Kasper Juncker, who scored a shed load of goals between them and assists. Jens Petter Horber, of course was uh, lost in early autumn as well. Although, you know, they did without him for the last 10 games and they still look pretty damn good. So, you know, how do you replace those two really key players? Well, I think you've got to look within the squad um, at, at youngsters that, you know, uh, showed signs of breaking through last year, like Ola Solbakken, Sebastian Tonectis, Andre Fett, guys like that. Um, it's very interesting, but, uh, you know, the striker, probably replacing Kasper Juncker, is the big problem. They've got Eric Bottheim in, ex-Rosenborg youngster, played a bit at Starbeck last year. He's never quite achieved his potential fully, so I think there's quite a lot on his shoulders. But when you look at the rest of the squad, the midfield pretty much stays all the same. The defence is completely intact and the goalkeeping situation. So, um, yeah, I, I think they've got plenty of weapons still. We know they've got a great coaching system, fantastic manager. They know how they play physically. They're probably going to be the best condition of everyone. They're going to cope with them first 15 rounds best, better than most. And, um, yeah, 81 points. I think they'll drop down to maybe sort of mid to late 60s, um, maybe maybe touch 70 points. But that probably be enough to, to win the gold medal, I think. Well, you've heard it here first. If, if Buda Glimp can top or match their points total from last season, Meat Man Soccer, the most staunch meat eater I've ever known in my, in my life, has said he will eat vegan for a week. And uh, we've had one or two bets in the past, even the... Uh, I know you're a man of your words, so uh, I'm quite, quite, you've been a suddenly gained a new fan here just in, in 15 minutes. So uh, I will quite enjoy watching you tuck into a corn burger. So uh, yes, uh, an unbeaten season from Glint will be very satisfying just for me personally. And let's see where they go with that. So uh, yeah, very, very brave of you there. I'm um, just looking at some of the sort of uh, fixtures they've had. They've played quite a lot of preseason games, haven't they? They've been to Barbea. Um, you know they've they've been pretty active, haven't they? They've they've, they've had a few games recently. Drew with Mulder. Um, teams have been quite sort of playing each other, haven't they, in preseason? Um, I guess that's partly due to the restrictions, is it? But uh, what what trends have you noticed, or what's caught your eye in terms of in terms of Glimpton, especially with transfers? Is there anyone you really you know you mentioned a couple of names there just now, but is there anyone that you really think will stand their mark on this league that that didn't last season, or conversely, is there anyone that you feel did really really well last season and you know may have a slight dip? Yeah, I think the, the two guys that really interest me are Axel Lindahl. They signed from Degafor. Um, had a good, very, a very good season last year in, in Super N. And uh, I think in, in pre-season he's been doing all right. I think they'll use him more as a bench option. He's 26 years old, so he's no spring chicken. But at the same time, he's sort of in that prime age. I think he can fit in nicely. Sondre Surly from, um, from Christiansen. Another very versatile player. These two guys can play anywhere in midfield and attack probably even parts of defence as well if needed. So I, I like the look of them two, two signings. They've got an intriguing Brazilian on loan from uh, Ukrainian club, PFK Lviv. Pernambuco is called. I know really nothing about him. I don't think he's got a work permit yet. But uh, he could be an intriguing uh, winger out wide. But like I said before, I think um, you look at the midfield engine they've got in that team, Ulrich Soltner, Patrick Berg, Vegar Moberg, Morten Conradson. You know, that is a hell of an, an engine um, in the middle there. Hugo Vettelson, 
you know, they've got they're so strong centrally. Um, and then, you know, guys like Solbach and Tunetti out wide, Sondre Fett as well. I think striker is a question mark if Eric Botheim, you know, can he fill the boots of Casper Juncker? But he's going to get so many chances, he probably is going to put quite a few away. I think probably striker is a question mark. Victor Boniface, maybe he could, could do that. The defence stays exactly the same. They've brought a couple of youngsters in from the um, well, prospects, you could say, from the Obosli game. Uh, Vegard Kongs goes to good Kavir. I don't think they're going to get that many minutes, but you know that's the, sort of the next conveyor belt system. Um, they've sent one of their best prospects, Isaac Amundsen, on loan to Tromsø of all teams, which is an interesting one. Um, but um, yeah, goalkeeper probably as well. There's a little bit of slight question mark. I, I don't really know who the number one is here. I mean, Nikita Kaikin did all right last year. Joshua Smiths, they'll battle it out. They don't really have an elite goalkeeper. That's probably a slight weak spot for them. But, I mean, I don't think the, the goalkeepers are going to be tested that much either. So, yeah, just a real, really strong engine in the midfield is the big strength of Buda Glimt this year, I think. Tell us about Casper uh, Juncker, because he was one of the top players in the league this season. They've, there's been quite a few names have gone, haven't they, that, of that famous team. Jens Peter Hauger being one, of course. I know he left towards the end of last season, went to AC Milan. Um, he's doing, you know, OK there. He's you know, featured in quite a few games in, in, in Europe as well as uh, Serie A. But there was quite a big uh, story around Casper Juncker, wasn't there? And uh, t- tell us about that because it seemed to get quite maybe quite messy. He always wanted out of the club. That was quite clear right from the back end, you know, of last season. Um, but I don't think Glimp really wanted rid of him because they'd already lost a couple of star studs. You know, Zinconagel, they, they lost him for nothing to Watford, obviously. Uh, Juncker, I think they wanted to keep him for another year, really, ideally. Um, you know, but in the end, he moved to a Japanese club. So I think he was basically trying to force his way out. He got a little bit messy um, and he got his, his his wish in the end. And I think ultimately, he didn't, why keep an unhappy player, you know, um, even though I think he still would have done quite well. But 27 goals, that's a lot of goals to replace. I feel like they can, you look at Zinconagel, 19 goals, 20 assists in the league. I mean, that's monstrous numbers. I feel like Zinconagel's goals can maybe be replaced sort of as a whole, as a collective sum from quite a lot of players chipping in. But 27 goals from a strike is a lot. And I think it puts a lot on Eric Bottheim's pressure on him, really. He's a 21-year-old youngster. Always shown great potential, but never fully delivered. He's going to get great service and everything now. But Juncker was a three-dimensional striker. He was you know, good technically, great movement. He was physical as well. He could get you in the air. And I think Bottheim is not as good, really, to be honest. So I think that's the big concern. But, you know, even if Bottheim only does half as well, it's still a success probably for Glimt, isn't it? That's the thing. But, you know, we're talking about a player that was, uh, his numbers were off the charts. Yeah, he, he said uh, after leaving as well, he said, I've always wanted to play in, in Asia. Um, so, you know, it's quite a big quite a big move for him, really, uh, to, to sort of get a, a big move. So, Urawa Red Diamonds. He said, uh, Japan is a very special country with a high level of football. So, good luck to Kasper Junker because he really did light up the league last season didn't he and he said my job is to find space in the box and put in goals which he did i have a very good left foot and i'm looking forward to playing with other players to make an assist so um yeah it was it did get a bit controversial didn't it? i think um from what i understand quite a few glint fans in the end seemed, seemed fairly happy with them leaving so it was a uh, seems like it got a bit messy there but you're predicting them in first place in summary um how would you sort of sum it up uh, steve do you think they'll win it easily do you think they'll walk it do you think it would be you mentioned they'll get lower points, but do you think it will still be 
fairly comfortable or do you think it will be a bit of a slog for them with their new players blending them in and everything like that yeah let's just forget about individual players for now as a natural collective team they're probably gonna be the best we know they're so well drilled um so well coached in terms of both tactically technically and physically they've got we know the players are always in tip-top condition they had an edge last year due to covid times i think they're going to have a similar sort of edge this year they're just trained so well they've got they're in the stamina intensity stuff like that they're going to be well suited to the the first sort of 10 15 rounds where the fixtures might pile up and they're probably going to be suited to when they're in europe as well later in the summer i don't think uh, it's always a challenge to be fair for traveling abroad and stuff but um you know i think they they, they certainly have an edge on on the other teams like that they just they've got such a drive and willingness to go and they're relentless they keep going at you they'll rack up the score in the matches they're on top on and they're so strong at home they remember they're 100 percent record at home last year and they very very rarely look like not winning in front of uh, in front of their fans there at um in, in glimpse so i i just all things adding up, you know, perhaps they don't have as much individual quality on paper compared to last year. But, um, you know, when all things come together, do I think they'll win it easily? I don't think it will be as easy. It, it's a question of who can come from the pack and really challenge them consistently. And they'll be one of the three teams that I mentioned soon that probably will get their act together. It's just a question of who. And it might become a close race. But I think I could see them winning it by about sort of five to six points this year. That's, that's my prediction. So a lot closer title race then, and uh, should be should be an interesting one. So you've got Buda Glimp to win the title, and we'll see how they get on. If you've not listened to the podcast before and you want to listen to Buda Glimp Sporting Director Asma Bjorkan, dig back into our archives about a year ago. Well, it was maybe good 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 year and a half, maybe, we had him on the podcast. So you can always dig back into that if you want to listen to sort of an exclusive insight from Buda Glimp. And, as the season goes on, we may well sort of have one or two more special guests from the area. So keep an eye out on that. Let's move on to uh, your predicted second place team. And uh, one that might surprise a few people. Yeah, I'll be honest, I can't really. I'm, I'm really 50 50 between a couple of sides for second place. And uh, I'm torn between Volarenga and Mulder. And in, uh, ultimately, I've decided to go with Volarenga in second place, which might be a slight reach because Mulder could easily put egg on my face here and, and not just finish second, but actually win the league because Mulder rode strong. But I, I just think Volarenga, um, remember 55 points last year, they were third place side. I feel like they've um, they've actually signed a couple of good players. More importantly, they've kept, keep crucially, they've kept all their main guys. And I feel like they're a bit more hungry perhaps and they've got a bit more sort of dynamism and, and sort of X factor with certain players. Um, which which can help them, and I actually think they're slightly better defensively than Mulder as well, um, and maybe even slightly better organised tactically. So Volarenga, for me, I'm going to put them in second place this year. Um, they've got a good blend of blended players there. Um, the manager, the dog alive Fagomo, it was his first season into 2020 at the, at the helm of the club, and he did pretty well. You know, I've always said I'd, I'd love to see this manager win the league because I think um, you know now he's at a club, a big club. He's got the resources. He had a very solid first season. He can build on that. Um, there's a, I looked at some of the stats from last year. They were perhaps a little bit lucky in terms of XG against. They overachieved in that, uh, slightly overachieved in the points and, and, and goals as well. But, you know, 10 draws they had out of 30 games. They've got to think that that, that number is going to be reduced. 
even if they sort of lose a few of them, if they convert some of them draws into wins, that's going to get them above the 60-point mark. And if you get over the 60-point mark, you've got a chance of gold medals, um, you know. So it doesn't take an awful lot more to get them into the title race, in my opinion, John. Give us the positives for Wallerenga fans this season. I know the pronunciation of their name is also a little bit tricky, so uh, if I've botched their, their name, then uh, I do apologise to any Norwegians listening. But yes, give us a... Um, Give us the reasons that you're so optimistic about about Wondering. What is it that uh, stands out for you? What have they done in the transfer market um, so far this this past winter? I think Wondering have got a very good mix of youth and experience in the team. I always like that. They've got some cracking uh, young talent coming through, and they've got some sort of older heads that can they know what they're doing, you know. Uh, but the big positives of this team. Um, I've mentioned I, the, the defense. It, it's quite. I wouldn't say it's an elite defense. But it's a really solid defence tactically. They've got a good goalkeeper as well, Christopher Clarsen. I'll, I'll talk about him soon. But really the thing that stands out for me is the offence. It's there's a, I think there's a lot of goals in this team and creativity, Jonathan. Um, they've got a really good striker up front, Vidar Kjartansson. I mean, you know about him. He he knows where the back of the net is. He, he, he's a three-dimensional sort of striker. He's I would probably consider him more sort of target man. Um, maybe he lacks a little bit of pace these days. He's he's getting on a little bit, thirty-one year old, but he's uh, you know he's kind of like this mixture of a poacher target man. But he's no no slouch either. If they keep him fit, he'll get quite a lot of goals. They have got fantastic uh, technical players like Aaron Dunham. I think Aaron Dunham could have a, a monstrous year. Really, uh, they've signed Amor Layuni from um, the Egyptian side Pyramids. Now, Layuni was uh, at Buda Glimp not too long ago, and he had he he was tearing up the league up there uh, on the wings. I think he could do the same there. They've got Osama Sahari, who's a great young prospect in midfield, showed a lot of great things last year. Um, they've actually got a couple of youngsters as well, like Sakarius Opsal, who's come back from Tromso alone. They've got a striker up front, C.D. Jatta, an 18-year-old speedster up front. Uh, they've got sort of options, really. They signed a guy, Henrik Udal, from Obos Liga inside Asane. He scored 19 goals last season. That's pretty good going. Um, I feel like they've got all the options covered. Perhaps in midfield, maybe a little bit, slightly, maybe they're lacking a real, real sort of star man in midfield. I mean, you'd say Frederick Aldrup Jensen's pretty good. Tobias Christiansen's a good sign, a young sign from Mulder. I think they can probably get more out of him at Volerenga than Mulder. If you have to put a slight weak spot, it would be maybe maybe central midfield, but I'm maybe being harsh there. And uh, you know, then the Christians have not lost anyone. I like that. Like they ha they haven't lost really any key pieces. They have they've got rid of some players, but I wouldn't say they were like crucial to to the, to the system. So I like the continuity of the club. Yeah, and they've also got I noticed looking at this where they've got Henrik Bjordal, who was um, he was at EFK Jotterberg in Sweden, and then and uh, was there when I was when I was out there and watched him quite a few times. Uh, didn't play too much in Osvenskan in the end, played about 14 games, I think three assists. But he's got a very good record in Elita Seri and he uh, he came from Brighton, didn't he? He was on loan at, at the time. And I think his track record in Elita Seri is 68, goal, 68 games, 15 assists, four goals, which is a, a pretty good track record. So I know he spent sort of half, half of last season, didn't he, at, uh, at Wolverhampton, but uh, his first full season should be should be an interesting one. And uh, a player that I've heard big things about, Steve, is Odin Thiago Holm as well, an 18-year-old. So... Uh, you know me, I like my young talent, so he's one I'll be keeping an eye on. And Sarawi as well. Tell us a little bit briefly about Sarawi because I've heard a lot of good things about him. Yeah, he's sort of uh, he's a small guy. He's a really good technical player. He plays 
he can play sort of anywhere, attacking midfield, centre mid, left mid, left wing, left mid. So that sort of slight left hand side. He's a great dribbler of the ball. He's got great balance. Um, he's worked on his game to improve his his finishing. I think that's probably the, the point that lets him down. But I've noticed an improvement in that. Uh, the, I expect a few more goals out of him this season. I certainly expect plenty of assists. He's agile. He's got tricks up his sleeve. He can cause defenders all sorts of trouble. And the thing is, it's the opposition can't just focus on him either because Valerenga have got a lot of very good technically good players. And you, know, you mentioned the youngster Odin Thiago Holm. I think he actually starts the season injured, but it feels like for every, literally every position, Valerenga, they've got like a young backup, up and coming prospect in every spot. And I really like that. You know, um, and these guys it will be needed at times for minutes. Yeah, that's for sure. And um, the club feels like it's in a really good place. If they don't, you know, win a title this year, I can certainly see them winning the title sort of in the next three seasons if they sort of keep the core of this team. Um, but yeah, I just want to make, mention a couple of key players in defence that defence can get overlooked at Volo. And Christopher Clarsen, for me, may well be he's certainly in the top three or four goalkeepers in the league. And last year he seemed to get better as it went on. He's only 20 year old, so he's he's very young in goalkeeper terms. But he's an absolute star in the making, and um, yeah, he really impresses me. I do like my goalkeepers. It's not the greatest league for goalkeepers this year, sadly, uh, on paper. But um, Clarsen is one of the best out there. And at right back, Christian Botrovink. Um, I mean, he last year started to really develop into a heck of a talent. Uh, both offensively and defensively, especially going forward, put some great crosses in. Um, I think they've got a real, really good player out there in, in that spot. So, Volarenga, um, they seem to have, have most bases covered, really. It's just, you know, the mentality's improved at the club. Um, they used to be sort of soft, this soft underbelly under Ronnie Dyler, but uh, the new manager, Dagala Fogomo, is instilled a lot more discipline, a lot more sort of fight in them, and uh, there are no pushovers anymore. And if things sort of align for them, then they've got to improve their away record a little bit and then they could be a contender. Very interesting stuff. And uh, briefly, before we wrap up on, on Wallerenga, uh, is for Goma man to, to win a title? Yeah, definitely. He wants to look, mate, at the end of the season, if even it's dead rubbers, he wants to win games. He's obsessed about winning and he wants it so much. And I really like that mentality about, I mean, it, it can be really frustrating, can't it, facing teams like that? Like, he, he'll rack up the score he doesn't have any sympathy for teams in that way. He's well up for the fight. And if you can just get in the position sort of with five games to go, they're in the race, he'll give it absolutely everything. Absolutely, he is the man. Yeah, I like that as well. I, I saw um, I saw Rakeen, funnily enough, uh, just sidetracked for a little bit, but I just saw Rakeen talking about Newcastle the other day when they played Arsenal and he was sort of questioning the mentality of the players. And you do, you do tend to get a lot of clubs, don't you, and teams where... As soon as they've achieved their objective for a season, winning doesn't really matter anymore to them, does it? It seems. Mm, exactly. And, uh, yeah. That's that really frustrates me, and I, I could under, I could empathise with Keen on that. So uh, it's good to hear of winners and people who want to win and do well and be successful because uh, yeah, sometimes you feel like certain clubs just go through the motions, don't they? And once they achieve their goal, that's it. They switch off. Um, especially towards the end of seasons, you get players just kind of you, you get teams just kind of switching off completely, don't you? And go on bad runs and stuff once uh, they're safe or whatever. So. Good to hear that but uh yeah let's move on and in third place obviously you've already kind of given it away there but uh you've got more yeah and this might be uh too low for them you know if they would go and win the league then i wouldn't be at all surprised because that's probably on paper if you look at individual quality and probably depth as well 
they they may well have the best team, even you know, better than Buda Glint. They've got some really good players in here, but um I Mulder have shown they've shown a few weaknesses in the last sort of year to eighteen months. Especially defensively, I, I just don't always feel they can be relied upon. Andreas Linder is probably now the best goalkeeper in the league. And they he was he came up big for them last season. He's great against penalties. We saw in the Europa League he was a big reason why they progressed so far. But if he doesn't sort of you know have such a good season, then I think that defence is gonna be exposed a little bit. They've still got a big problem for me at right back. And this started last year where Christopher Harold's side was out for the whole year with a cruciate ligament. He's injured again, sadly. Um, I'm not sure how long for, but for me, Harold's side was a big reason, one of the main reasons why he won the league. He's uh, a great uh, prospect there right back. Um, you know, knows what he's doing. You know, they're still going with the youngster Marcus Holgren Pettersson, I think, in that position or, or sort of a rotation of other people. I think it's a soft spot. I actually think they're fullbacks in their tactical system. Four two three one mostly. This they, they they leave themselves a bit too exposed, and um, we do know they've got some good defenders like Gregus and Bjornback and that, but they're not always the most reliable in terms of injuries. So will this hectic schedule go against Mold and will they pick up injuries again? And it's the same across the whole squad. Actually, they've got sort of guys that need to be wrapped in cotton wool, and um, that that is a concern for me. We know they've got some tremendous offensive firepower. They've got really strong midfielders. I do worry they've lost Lecky James. And for me, Lecky James was a real, real top man in this league. Such a high percentage of shots on target for Lecky James. I don't see them. I, I just don't see anyone. They've not replaced him yet unless um, David Datrif Fafana comes on. We'll talk more about him later. But just a few question marks from me about Mould. Are they... They're certainly well set, but um, I just got a gut feeling that they're not maybe going to quite achieve what some expect them to. Yes, Lecky James is one of the um, one to leave, and he's been on our podcast as well. And he's a, he was a great guest, wasn't he? I enjoyed that that show. He's gone to Saudi Arabia. Our kids, our kid is here. Uh, they've also lost Henry Wingo to to Hungarian side. They brought in quite a lot of money there. I think it's one of the biggest transfers in terms of incomings uh, for the club. Well, in in the Serie even uh, one player that they've lost that sold to Valenga is uh, Tobias Christensen. Is he a player who's going to kind of? Yeah, is he is he gonna do anything? Is that is that come back to haunt them basically? You're asking, um, possibly. I think they could have got more out of Christensen. The problem is, right, Mulder have got a lot of players that played in Christensen's position, and you're not gonna, as good as you might be, you're not gonna dislodge Magnus Wolf Eichram out of the starting lineup, are you? Magnus Wolf Eichram's the best player in the league, simple as that. The, the, the he does have his limitations in terms of the minutes he can play on the field and, and stuff like that, and he's got injury doubts and stuff, but ultimately. Mulder have too many players who, who want to play Christensen's role. Christian's basically a number 10 or maybe a little bit deeper than a 10. And they just, he wasn't getting enough consistent minutes. Um, I, I could see him coming back to haunt them. Definitely. If he gets uh, a good uh, sort of running the team at Volarenga, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but that kind of just shows you how strong they are in the midfield. They can let someone like that go. You know, you look at their midfield, they've got the likes of Frederick Orshner, Zetters, Hussain, Martin Eddington, Scholstad, um, and then sort of create midfield, obviously, Magnus Wolf, Igram, Eric Ullen Anderson, Knudsen, guys like that. It's a, they're loaded in that spot, Mulder. Um, so that's why they could sort of let him go, Jonathan. Interesting. We'll see how that pans out. It's always an interesting move when players move from one sort of big club to another in, in any league, isn't it? It's, uh, what are the reasons for, I mean, 
Mulder, when I think of Mulder these days, I think of Verling Brett Harland and I think of the sort of talent that's come through at Mulder in recent seasons. Uh, is there any big talents? You know, I've seen they've signed a few players, Burke Risa from Odd and uh, David Chafafani mentioned and Bjorn Sigurdarsson. Um, within the squad, do you know, do they have good youth development? Is it sort of, um, is, is, the, is the pipeline ticking away or, you know, have they got any young talents to look out for? Have they got anything exciting about them this season that fans can get, uh, you know, can get excited about? Yeah, I mean, David Dastroff Fafana is a, a really interesting prospect. He's, I'll, I'll reveal it now. He's one of my 10 to watch later. So I'll go into more detail about him. He's only 18 year old Ivorian who caught the eye in the Europa League. Um, and I think he he can certainly go very well. But he's still raw at 18 years old, you know. Um, in terms of other, other young talents, there's, there's always a decent sort of youngsters coming through, or they buy players young and, and bring them in. You know, let's not forget Marcus Holmgren Pedersen, uh, sort of right back. He's only 20 year old. There's an interesting lad who's come back on loan from uh, Ralphos, Emil Breivik. And I think he, I, I would like to see him get some minutes this year. But it's so competitive to, it's so hard for these youngsters to get into the Molder team because there's so, so many established players that are more sort of mature and age at the prime that probably Breivik may well go on loan out there somewhere again, actually. But, um, yeah, you know, it's. I feel I'm like negative on Mulder here, but there's a lot of positives. They've got a lot of real quality players up front. Oe, Umay Wanfo, um, you know, he's. I would expect him to fill his boots this year as usual, although he's not always as clinical as you want him to be. Um, I would always prefer Lecky James over Oe myself. I'd be honest with you, and I really don't see what he brings to the table. I think he's a pretty poor signing, to be honest with you. I know historically he scored goals, but he maybe looks over the hill now and. You know, there's been rumours that Mulder are in the market for another striker. He's been he's been that disappointing. You know, that's the sort of thing that worries me. Yeah, and you're right in terms of what you say about Mulder. You know, let's not get too down on them. I mean, they they made it to the uh, Europa League last 16. So that's uh, that's one hell of an achievement, isn't it? Uh, what they did there, getting all the way to, to playing Granada and nearly, you know, not doing too badly. 3-2 on aggregate. It was... Um, you know, a decent effort, wasn't it? So, that, do, do you think they'll be in shape because of that? You know, they've played quite a few games, obviously knocking out Hoffenheim. Do you think those games that they've played in the recent months will, will put them in good stead? I think, well, you've got to think that's nearly two months ago now, though. So, I don't know whether that's a positive or a negative. There seems to be quite a few injuries floating around the squad at this time, Jonathan. And uh, I think it's just because they've got a lot of players who, who tend to be injury prone. And that in the first 15 rounds last year, you know, they were up and down in terms of results at times. And I think that could be something to look out for again as the season goes on. They're going to be in European qualifiers and things. And I don't know whether the squad can, can cope. One thing I will say is they've got the resources to bring guys in, either even before the end of this transfer window, certainly in the summer, to bolster things. Um, they've got money, they've got resources um, in that regard. But um, I think teams, you know, if teams get at them, I think they can be quite soft defensively. They will concede chances. They were quite lucky in terms of the expected goals against last year compared to how many they did concede. And if that, that comes back to bite them this year, if Andres Linder doesn't have such a good year in between the sticks, which could happen, he might even get injured. He's been injured before. So I, I feel like the defence, when it's at full strength, is excellent. But there'll be, there'll be too many moments where they're sort of ro resting and rotating. They have this system of doing that in the last 18 months to two years. And it backfired a bit last year, you know. So I, I, I think I could see them dropping silly points at times. But at the same, at the same time, they, they, they surely they're surely a banker for the top three. 
and you know if things go well they could certainly easily win the gold medal again um but you know just a few things that sort of cast doubts in my mind that's why i'm predicting them third this year um you know stuck my neck out a little bit here fantastic stuff and let's move on but before we do move on to your fourth place choice i just want you to touch on fantasy steve if you can because um there may be people listening to this and sort of doing their fantasy team and elite certain fantasy is always quite popular isn't it um so for those who are listening to the podcast maybe and want to start doing a team they're probably taking some notes on you on what you've said so far already uh, do you want to sort of just reveal a little bit about elite certain fantasy before we move on to fourth place and, and the code and how people can join this season because um certainly our offense game fantasy has been quite popular isn't it so far Yes, now the elite serving fantasy is very popular. There's a lot of very, very good accounts out there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll probably mention them in the second half of the, this episode. But you can join our Nordic Football Podcast League. Uh, the join code is uh, lowercase ev seven zero i zero. They're all lowercase. The letters in that, and we'll put the code out on Twitter as well. So. Uh, if you didn't hear that correctly, then you can certainly copy and paste job sort of thing. Um, in terms of the fantasy, um, I, I don't have quite as much time as some, some of the, there's some really good experts in the Lillisarian fantasy now. I fully respect them. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been competitive in fantasy the last two seasons. I like, uh, I like to think I hold my own. If we just talk about Mulder, I actually, um, there's not really anyone particularly in the Mulder team that interests me, to be honest. Maybe the goalkeeper, Linda. I think the problem is there's a lot of rotation with Moldy, you know, Jonathan. And um, I feel like there's quite a few expensive players in their team. But, you know, I'm like Sigurd Arsene's 10 million, for example. I, I'm not sure I'd trust him at that sort of price. Um, and with Moldy, it's about the consistency of players. You might have a, a, a star sort of man, and then he's sort of on the bench or even rested out, and it can get really frustrating, especially if it's like a double game week. So, um, yeah, I'll hopefully post some fantasy thoughts sort of uh, later on in the week. I'm not sure I'll have time, but. Um, yeah, certainly do join our fantasy league. Yeah, well, you know, we can cover some of the players as we go along, but just for those who are listening, yeah, if you're doing a team, then uh, get involved. And, uh, you know, whilst you're listening to the show, you may want to be, you know, looking through the, the teams and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, I don't know the exact website link, but uh, I think it's elitesarian.fancy, isn't it? Something like that, Steve. And our code again, just to repeat, EV70I0. So, uh, fourth place, you've got Rosenborg, which I find quite surprising to be honest because um they're they're a massive club in this league aren't they? i mean the backstory on them steve tell us a bit about them because for those who don't know about Rosenwood, i mean you've got them in fourth place it's, it's you know they're a big club i'm surprised about that steve tell us mm. your thoughts and also tell us what this club means and has achieved over the years huge club big you know biggest up there in norway they've won the most amount of league titles i'm not sure exactly how many it is but it's uh, significantly more than anyone else um they have fallen on hard times in, in the last couple of years. It's not been good for them. You know, the um, the Audrey Corneland era wasn't, didn't, did not serve them well. I feel like they were, you know, he was sacked after three games last season. And they, I feel like they were still suffering the hangover throughout the whole campaign. They've got an experienced old dog in Aga Harida um, as, as their manager right now. He, he's, you know, he's, he's been around the block. He knows kind of what he's doing. I think their their sort of their recruitment has been not quite as sharp as it could be in recent years. They've, it looks a bit better this winter, in fairness. But um, I feel like they they lack a certain dyn, dyn, dynamic sort of this X factor compared to some of the three teams I've just mentioned. I think only one of four teams can win the league this year, and it's you know it's what Buda Glimvolering and Mulder or Rosenborg. Only one of them four can win it. At least you know if things go right for Rosenborg, they could they could get the gold medal of course they could 
Um, but as I, I, you know, I'll talk about the squad soon, but um, I certainly just feel like the other three are better right now. Um, and um, it, I'm just a little bit concerned that they're still sort of regrouping. They're in a, maybe a transition phase, but I, I don't always like the way them, that they're moving forward in terms of the transfer market. There's always quite a lot of um, sort of uh, comment on their recruitment, isn't there? I mean, they're a big, big club, as I say. We've got a lot of followers who followed Rosenborg, particularly in America. I've noticed there's quite a few followers over there, and uh, give a shout out to one or two of them that have even appeared on this podcast in the past. But uh, has recruitment been an issue for them in the past few years? Because you mentioned they've, you know, they've had a lot of ch changes to the squad, and they've had some financial issues. Is that correct? But uh, my perspective on massive clubs sort of falling down is it always potentially comes down to recruitment so where have they been where have they been going wrong these past few years because they've not won the league for a while now and you know to be to be losing out to teams like Buda Glimp I mean with all due respect to Buda Glimp you know that is quite that is quite poor isn't it for uh for Rosenborg given their the size and the expectations around the club I mean it nearly 30 points fewer than Buda Glimp last season that, that's incredible I think and more than 50 goals less scored which is unbelievable in my opinion I think they're missing they're missing out on some of the top younger talent in domestically. Um, historically, they used to snap up anyone sort of good up and coming who was just starting to become into that prime age, and they've not done enough of those transfers in recent years. I remember when they signed Adig Benro from Viking. That was the sort of deal that, that Vuzenborg uh, were, were known for doing back in the day really well. And although he had his injury problems there, he certainly you know he took them to the Europa League, beat Ajax thanks to him. Um, that was the sort of deal that Rosenborg just did all day long, and then they, they kind of took weapons from the from the rest of the league. I feel like they've been moving for more older players in recent times. That uh, I'm not saying they passed it by any means, but it does concern me about you know, for example, that Guillermo Molins has come in. You know, this just this week I think or last week. Um, you know, he was at flipping Sarsborg last year. He didn't look very good. He's 32 year old sort of journeyman. I just don't see what sort of value he adds. Um, things like that. The other thing I think they've not done right is there's always used to be like some, they used to bring their own youngsters through at Rosenborg really well. But, uh, you know, a talent centre themselves are in their own academy. There's not enough of that these days. There's a couple of lads, um, Emil Conradson uh, Saida, um, and maybe Edvard Tagseth as well, and the go backup goalkeeper, Julian Feilund. There's not enough of it now for me. They're not being given enough minutes and game time, with the exception of the odd one or two. It's like they've been um, happy to more bringing these older older players just to take the spots. Uh, so I think that's where the problems have been in terms of the transfers, uh, Jonathan. I think I don't think they've necessarily let go the right players either in the last two or three seasons. Um, that's been the other issue. Yeah, and you know, uh, you mentioned Guillermo Molins. I mean, if I'm honest, I think he's. I've, I've, you know, he was at Malmo before, and uh, I know he's had a quite a good career in fairness to him. But uh, I, I didn't necessarily think Malmo will, will miss him too much. Um, some fans may disagree with me on that, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see how he gets on. I, I don't necessarily think he's a huge player. I mean, Rosenborg's recruitment has been quite Sweden focused, hasn't it? In in recent seasons as well, they've they've taken quite a few players uh, from from Sweden. So um, I think I believe their their sporting directors it might be Swedish as well. You, you might be able to confirm that for me, Steve. But uh, what are the big transfers this summer or this winter? Sorry, uh, or what are the big names to look out for? And, and why do you have? Why do you think fourth? I mean, why? Why do you think they're going to stagnate? Are they not brought in good enough names? Oh, yeah, let's bring some, through some transfers. They brought in Adam Anderson from Hecken, uh, Jonathan Augustinson from uh, Jorgarten. They are fullbacks or wingbacks. 
I think August Stinson's starting the season injured. I don't know how long he's out for. Um, they've brought in Vebjorn Hoff, midfielder from uh, Odd. Mollins, as we mentioned. Stefano Vecchia from uh, Sirius. And they've brought in a striker, a target man, a young, uh, sorry, not young, 25-year-old Ole Christian Saita from Ranheims across the uh, the city there. Again, he's unfortunately starting the season injured uh, until middle of summer, I think. So uh, the signings I like, I, I like Vebjorn Hoff. I think he's a really, he had a great year um, for odd last year. Um, he reminds me a little bit to the Christopher Zakariasen signing. Now, Zakariasen was one of the few real shining lights for Rosenborg last year. And Hoff, I think, kind of fits the same sort of build. The, the Rosenberg are really strong in midfield. I'll give them that. They've got some great players there, like uh, Hoff, Henriksen, Persilian, Skelbred, Zakariasen, Anders Konradsen. I, I have always liked the youngster Tagse. Um, although I think Henriksen um, has been sort of earmarked for filling in sort of in defence sometimes as well. You can't deny they're strong. They are very strong in the middle of the park. That is their big area. I'm not sure the defence is actually going to be that great. They've lost the old dog, Torre Reginiusen, who is not just a good defender, but he was the leader, he was the captain. He was the man that sort of kept them motivated in there. And, you know, I'm not sure about the defence. Like Hovland, Eliofsson, right hand. There's, there's a lack of depth. Um, so the defence worries me a little bit. Andre Hansen in goal, he hasn't quite been as elite as he once was. You know, but he's still a good goalkeeper for sure, uh, and Firelands is a, gr a great backup. But I'm not sure the defence is, is all what it's cut out to be. And then up front, you know, we've not even talked about this problem yet. Dino Islamovic, they're, they're banking on him to be the, the, the sort of the star striker to, to lead them to, you know, potentially the gold medal. I just don't see Islamovic being that man, and, and I still don't. You know, I think that's the issue ultimately that they rely it feels like they're relying on these target men up front now jonathan i think they need more dynamism and look at the rest of the teams like valoranga buddha glimpse molder there's a lot of pace in there there's a lot of skill and flair and intensity and pressing valoranga a little bit more sorry rusenberg a little bit more old-fashioned in that way you know getting crosses in four three three that way with, with sort of target men up front yeah i make it six players that they have signed from uh from Osvenskan, or at least with Osvenskan roots, Jonathan Augustinson, Adam Anderson, um, Stefano Vecchia, as you mentioned, Dino Zamovic, Guillermo Moines, and uh, Rasmus Fidesheim Paul in, in the past sort of uh, one to two years. So, yeah, big big focus on uh, on the Swedish market, I suppose. So, uh, uh, if they, you know, if the sporting director wants to come on this show, I'd be quite interested to speak to him and get his perspectives. But uh, you've got them, therefore, in fourth place. So, let's see. And if you're a fan of Rosenborg, tweet us at Nordic Football. Let us know what you think of that prediction. Are you, uh, is it blood boiling? Are you, are you happy? Are you think it will be a fairly astute prediction given that's where they finished last season? Let us know. Um, but Steve, let's move on to uh, who you've got in the to round of part one in the top six. Uh, in fifth place, you have Viking. Yeah, and we're very similar to last season. We're now in a state, I think the top four will be well clear of the rest, to be honest with you. And then you could make a case from sort of position five to sort of 13. 12 or 13, and it could be anyone, really. It's just a question of who gets hot, who has a good year, who has a bad year. I've gone with Viking in fifth, just simply because of the talent they've got in the squad. Now, it doesn't mean I'm convinced by them at all. I think mean, one of my biggest concerns is the manager situation. They lost Bjarne Bernsen, who did a terrific job in three seasons there. You know, he's won them um, you know, a Norwegian Cup. He got them promoted uh, last season after a bad start. They, they finished, uh, I think, in the top six or seven. Um, they rebounded well. They've now got a dual manager situation, Beata Lunder Arsheim and Morten uh, Jensen. Um, now, 
joint managers is not i can't ever remember this being a thing in uh, in norway but we've actually got three teams at this point in time with joint managers in place which is that's unusual for me to be dealing with i know it's worked well in your garden there but i don't i usually i don't, I don't think the joint managers is, is something that works long term for me so i don't know who's exactly calling the shots here it looks like the sort of the tactical system is going to be similar to what it's been recently maybe a slight switch from sort of four three three four two three one but I look at the Viking team on paper, Jonathan, and I feel like it could be, you know, you could put pretty much anyone in charge and they should be able to get them in the top half. There's there's plenty of quality across the board overall. And uh, that, that's, that's what I really like about Viking. I see they've lost and Adrian Nielsen Pereira and Zima Batiki and uh, Yildirim Ibrahimai. Uh, two of them are free transfers and one of them for quite a hefty, hefty sort of outgoing fee. I mean, the players that have left, is there anyone that you think they're particularly going to miss? Uh, I know Patiki you've spoken about in the past quite a few times, uh, 24 year old. Uh, and also in terms of the incomings, you know, what are your thoughts there? Yeah, uh, they, they are going to miss Patiki and Ibrahim, Ibrahima. It's a horrible one to pronounce. He is. <laughs> I never get him right. Uh, underrated actually was Ildren Ibrahima. Um, but certainly Patiki had a sensational uh, last season, certainly the back half of last season. And they'll miss his goals, um, his X factor, and, and his creativity. But they have signed well. They've they've um, they brought Kevin Cabran in from relegated start. I feel like Cabran now finally is actually a good team. I think he can maybe thrive where teams are less focusing on him. You know, he's entering his prime now, twenty six years old. Uh, this uh, Kevin Cabran is a sort of an attacker. He can play anywhere in attack really, but sort of more known for his left hand side or. Sort of through the middle. Um, I think he, he's got a good year in him. They brought back Zlatko, Zlatko Tripic just a couple of days ago. This was uh, announced. Um, if you remember, Tripic was really, really good for them a couple of years back. Uh, it didn't work out for him abroad, and he's come back. I think it's a five year contract they've got him on. And he will, I mean, it's a massive weapon for them to have. You know, he's a quality player. He'll be one of the best. He was in my in the team of the year, I think we had the joint team of the year just um, in 2019. That's how good he was last time he was in this league. Um, so they've done good replacements there. They've got, I think they're good offensively. Barisha will always score goals. Yander Lanley, if he can stay fit. Got good midfield. Joe Bell, Christopher Lockberg, Samuel Fred Johnson is pretty damn solid. The defence hasn't lost anyone. They've got some good prospects there in defence. Goalkeeper doesn't convince me there still. Probably one of the weak spots. But um, yeah, they on paper, they've got good, good quality. And I really struggle to see them on outside of the top half um and I, I think probably they could end up sort of in no man's land in sort of fifth place with the end of the season not really close to the top four but i think they could be really very solid in that spot fantastic stuff and uh, quite a well supported team aren't they as well uh, they've always sort of uh, been quite a big club in my opinion viking might, might just be my <coughs> my memory of the past but uh excuse me uh, yeah i've always i've always thought they were quite a sort of friendly and, and well supported club you've got it's a round of part one in sixth place. Uh, who have you got in sixth place? Yeah, this is a bit of a sort of my wild card pick. I put Starbeck up in sixth. And the team I last year I had, I think it's Strong's God set up in sixth as my sort of, you know, left field selection. That didn't work out very well, did it? So let's hope for Starbeck's sake it's a bit better. Really tough club to work out. Like, uh, there's always a lot of question marks about them. Um, but you know, the interview we did recently with Eric Schoner, one of their new assistant managers, what I liked, what he said there was when I asked him what are the aims for the season, and they want to be competing in the top half of the table. 
as well as you know maybe having a good cup run um they want to be up there and i think when when you've got sort of a, an aim and ambition and motivation and drive then it can make a difference they've got a very good coaching team there yana Jonsson's experience looks like they've branched out with more assistance and specialization off the field they've always got a great youth system coming through there'll be players that you know i may have never even heard of yet that will end up getting minutes at some point at starbuck this year and you're like wow what a great young kid he is that's the sort of club they are they can just bring these uh, youngsters from nowhere but they've signed well heroin charles i think is a really versatile player from volarenga um you know they've got a good goalkeeper in marcus sandberg and they've, they've signed a couple of players from the lower leagues as well like marcus solbacken from amcam for example 20 year old looks good they've got a solid sort of base i i do i'm a bit worried about striker situation they still don't have a striker for me that screams goals and reliability but maybe they can find someone maybe even the transfer market or something can help them out there but if things sort of align for Starbuck, they can get themselves in the top six they could they could finish equally finish sort of anywhere in the mid-table vicinity but i think they may be doing a year where they're up there a bit more and it, maybe this could be the campaign for it john yeah, and uh, I have to say, by the way, I, I really enjoyed that interview with Eric Schoen. I thought it was um, fascinating um, insights. And uh, as you said, he, one of the things I was interested to sort of get his opinion on was the football manager side of it, because he said he, I remember saying he'd be playing football manager and he's, you know, he's younger than us. So uh, I did wonder from that point of view, it must be strange going from that to, uh, you know, to management as he's done. But so, yeah, it was a really great interview. If you've not heard it yet, then go back uh, a couple of weeks. I think it was... Um, with our interview with Eric Schoen, that was very, very interesting indeed. The new Starback assistant manager. Um, any further comments on Starback, Stevie? You know, just to wrap it up before we wrap up part one. Well, like I say, that they're, they're really because there's so many young players often within the the squad, they can be up and down with their form and hard to predict. Um, they have lost Gustav Valswick at centre back. He, he was on loan last year from Rosenborg, and I thought he did really well for Starback. They haven't really, they haven't signed anyone in defence, so that that does concern me a bit. I think they're just relying on. You know, maybe some uh, a couple. Of, they've got some old hands at the back though, like your Manco as well though. So their form can be up and down. Such a hard team to predict, but I think on the day, it could probably beat anyone on the day. You know, Starbet that sort of side. They're, they're an intriguing team to watch. Yeah, and they've made a hell of a lot of money, haven't they? As well for uh, for elite to seven level, they've sold Andreas Hansch Olsen to uh, Ghent for roughly eight hundred thousand pounds. Uh, Emil Bohinen for about one point five million. And Christopher Askildson to Sambadori for about 2.25 million, according to transfer mark. So, I mean, that is a huge income for uh, an Edisarian club, isn't it? Which you, you don't see too often, to be honest. And that, that can make the difference, couldn't it, in the, in the, in the, medium to, in the short to medium term? We, we know they're a selling club. Um, you know, Eric Schoener admitted that in the interview. They're not, they, they don't try and hold on to talent for much longer. But I think that kind of helps the players. They know uh, if, they, if they make good of themselves they're going to get a good move away aren't they um and, and that sort of thing they'll say there'll be youngsters that just pop out of the pipeline from nowhere um this year they, they always seem to breed and, and bed in a couple of newbies each year I, I think if they really had a reliable striker i'd be a lot more confident about starbeck but they're going to rely on like kinashita up front who i don't really rate him to be honest with you fit him azimi's come back from alone at trom so azimi he's not yeah He's just not fit enough at times. His injury get the way. So they need to address the striker issue. But aside from that, they look in fairly good, good nick. Yeah, and they signed Sammy Skitter is their main sort of big signing from uh, from Buda Glimpse. So um, see how, you know, they've obviously got a bit of money to spend. So 
you never know. Maybe they get to the to the um, summer window and, and bring in a, a top striker, maybe potentially. Kinoshita actually played in in Sweden as well before, so uh, he was at Hamstead, I remember many years ago, and uh, you know didn't didn't put up too many trees to be honest. Although he, he looked lively at times, but the team was relegated in the end, I think that season. So uh, yeah, he's an interesting one. I'll be keeping an eye on him. That wraps up part one, and that you've got your top six there. So we'll just recap it. Uh, you have in sixth place Starbeck. In fifth place, Viking. In fourth place, Rosenborg. In third place, Mulder. Second place, Volerenga. And first place, Buda Glimt. So that is the top six. They are your predicted champions. Coming up with part two, we will look at the relegation zone and also mid-table. We'll look at teams like Bran, uh, Lillestrom, Haugesson, Tromso, newly promoted side, uh, Strom's Godset and others. So uh, stay tuned and we will be back, as well as our 10 players to watch for the season to come. Meet Man Soccer's 10 to watch. So stay tuned for part two. We'll be back off this short break. Did you say brand for relegation? <laughs> You'll have to you have to stay tuned and see where I put them. <laughs> Catch you after the break. Welcome to part two of the Nordic Football Podcast Elite Serien 2021 season preview. My name is Jonathan Faduba and I'm joined as ever by my colleague Steve Wiss. Uh, in part one, we talked about the top six. So I hope you've had a nice little break and I hope you've had a nice sort of cup of tea or uh, a fico or whatever you have to support pass the time over the, over the, over the break and uh, tune yourself in for the, for the rest of this table because uh, in the seventh place, Steve, you've got a, a sort of a... Well, it's quite a, big, quite a bold prediction, to be honest, isn't it? Because you've got a team who's newly promoted. Yeah, I've gone with the newly promoted uh, side in seventh place. Can you guess who it is? And no, it's not actually Tromso. I've gone with Lillestrom. And you know what? If you if you want a dark horse for this season, I think we, you can look at LSK. Because um, they, I think they've got... I think they're going to be a real bastard side to face. They, no one is going to enjoy facing them, I don't think. Um, they're going to be physical. They're going to be mean. They're going to be really good from set pieces. They're going to be, you know, digging in really hard. They've just come back into the league and they don't want to go down again. I think, um, you know, it was a shock relegation that they had. They're traditionally a very big club. Um, they won the Norwegian Cup not too long ago. Um, and, you know, historically, when we, you know, we've talked about Lillestrøm plenty in, on this podcast down the years, they were always kind of safely mid-table, that sort of vicinity. And I think I think they can get back there this year. I think they've signed very well. They've got a good manager. The infrastructure's there for them to to make, uh, you know, they've got to probably have a bit of promotion bounce as well, a bit more optimism around the place. And, yeah, if you're looking for a dark horse, I think uh, th- this is the team. Yeah, I mean, I, if I recall going back to our end-of-year review in, in sort of 2019, Steve, like, if I remember rightly, you, you, you were pretty disparaging of Lillestrøm. Uh, I can't remember the exact quote. I've been trying to dig it out, but uh, you did sort of say you weren't going to miss them and that kind of thing. I think worse to that effect. Um, suddenly you're giving them praise and you're putting them high at the table. I mean, they've, they've just been down for a year. So what's changed there? Because you, I remember that season, you weren't very, you didn't have too many nice things to say about this. Jim. They became stale, you know. I think for a good 18 month period, they became very stale. They lacked ambition, they just drifted into a slump. And sometimes a team needs to go down, you know, to make them sort of realise and sort of rebuild again and have a different direction. But they brought in Guy Backer, 
who who managed Sharpsburg, um, took Sharpsburg to the Europa League uh, group stages. Um, you know, that's quite a coup of a manager for the Obos League game. And they wanted an immediate bounce back. But I think what they've done, they've learned their lesson. Like they've, they've come up and they've, they've pretty much changed a lot of the, the, the squad already. They've brought in a lot of new signs, probably more than most clubs, uh, if you include sort of returning loans uh, as well. They brought in some, a couple of really big names actually, in like Jermon Arsen and Paul Andre Elland. You know, those are guys that were at Rosenborg last year, you know, aiming to be fighting for medals. Um, they've already got a couple of good sort of weapons here. I think they've signed a couple of new defenders. They've got a goalkeeper on loan from Mulder, Alex Cranninks, who, you know, he's not bad, Cranninks, actually. He's probably an upgrade on what they have at goalkeeper. I think it was a question mark in the Obos last year. They've come up and they've decided that, you know, they knew the weapons they need to bring in. And, um, you know, you know what you're going to get with this team. I think there's a lot of real physical players that are going to cause mismatches across the board. As I said before, I think they'll give me a menace from set pieces. They'll dig in deep. They'll defend if needed to. They'll be 4-4-2 or 4-3-3, depending on what the, what the coach prefers. And, um, yeah, I'm a lot more optimistic about Lillestrand. I think they can sort of move forward again and, and, and uh, with optimism. But, uh, yeah, probably, you know, defence is maybe, maybe we're a little bit weaker at times. Um, but they've got a good mixture of eight. They're a bit younger than they were the last time in the league as well. I like that. Uh, they've got technical ability. They've got physical ability. I think they can they can certainly punch above uh, their weight this time. Fantastic stuff. Yeah, I haven't been able to quickly dig out your quotes, but uh, I am quite tempted to go back and see what you said about them in this gym. But it sounds like you've a lot bigger on them this year, which is great to see. They're, they're quite a well-supported team, aren't they, Steve? Very well. You know, they are. They're one of the biggest clubs. They're in the uh, Oslo region. Um, massive rivalry with Valerenga. Got a pretty big one going with Starbeck as well. But they do have a lot of fans. And, uh, you know, I know back in the day, there were quite a few Lillison fans who listened to this podcast. So, you know, for those who are out there listening again, welcome back to Elite Serene. It's good to have you back. And I, I hope uh, we end up talking a lot more about them this time than we did sort of in the last 18 months. Like I said, they got stale, they drifted, they became a bit of a not, not a nothing club, but just wasn't really anything there. And, you know, they do have some very exciting players. You know, for example, in midfield, if Ianni Matthews, I've always enjoyed him. I've always been a big fan of the lad. You know, they've got maybe some youngsters that I'm not that clued upon yet, but who, who might surprise. So, um, yeah, all in all, I think um, this sort of football might, might not be for everyone. It's sort of, at times, it might be a mixture of sort of Big Sam and, and Warnock, but with sort of good quality you know what i mean they're, they're going to shit house a few teams but they've got technical ability as well yeah i think as, as a leeds fan I, i've got a sort of i can't see your face right now but i've got a feeling you've got a big smile smirk on your face at the thought of them shit housing a few teams because uh you know it tends to be the leeds way at times isn't it? that's uh, reputation wise anyway but pretty Elsa, but uh yeah let's move on Lillestrøm, welcome back it's uh good to see them and you know let's see if they can uh you know I think one thing we've noticed on this podcast, isn't it? We've, we've written up a few teams who wear yellow in, in, in past years, and they've certainly proved us wrong. Elfsborg are now in great form in, in Sweden, and, and Lillestrøm are back. So let's see how they get on and if they can match Elfsborg's achievements. Um, in Next on your list, in eighth place, bang on mid-table, you've got um, another big club, and that's Brand. Yeah, and I'm not getting sucked into the brand hype this year. I think the last couple of years I've maybe been a bit too high on them, um, to be honest with you. But um, I think they finished around mid-table last year. Uh, no, 10th, actually. They were as low as 10th, 
I think they can probably improve a couple of places this time around, but I'm not all that optimistic about Brown. I think their squad, compared to what the squad was a couple of years ago, when you know they really should have been up there challenging for medals, um, I think it's just that they don't have the quality perhaps on paper anymore. And that might be a good or a bad thing that you're kind of getting rid of um, a few bad eggs and maybe bringing on a few more youngsters, but I just look at this squad now and it just screams to me nothing better than sort of mid mid table or sort of upper mid table at best. And and that, that's my concern for Brand. Um I feel like um we didn't really see enough from them, even when Cara Ingebrigtsen took over last season, um, to suggest that they're gonna really make, make waves this year. Could it be uh could it be Brand Flakes? Could it be bad eggs and brand flakes for uh, for Brand this season? Uh, sounds like quite a tasty breakfast, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> you've mentioned you mentioned a few bad eggs there, and uh, um, I'm interested to get your thoughts on that because I mean they're, they're one of those teams, Steve, aren't they? That where I don't know if you'd compare them to any team in England brand because they are they're quite a big club, aren't they? But they they sort of tend. I mean, in my experience, following this league the past sort of four or five years since we've been doing this podcast, I always get the feeling they flatter to deceive. Um, I think they're a really passionate fan base. They're a well-supported club. I would kind of compare them to Newcastle, actually, except they have won things in in, in sort of the last few decades. <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry, Newcastle fans. Um, but um, yeah, they're, they're a big club. Now, that's not that's not making no bones about it. Um, they're right up there in terms of support levels and stuff. And you know, I think a lot of the fans are very they they're always going to be ambitious and optimistic. They want to be up there challenging. I don't know quite what their realism levels are this year, but I have, I have concerns. I look at the, the defence, it's quite old. I've got Hakan Opdol in, in goal, 39-year-old. They, they just haven't been able to get the goalkeeping situation right in the last few years, in my opinion. I mean, Opdal's not bad, but he's no spring chicken. He'll have some good days, but I think they could do with someone a little bit better than him. You've got Vegar Foran, Ruben Christensen, you know, 33-year-old now, them, them two lads. Um and then you know Koth Gogan, the centre back. He he is a young a younger prospect who impressed certainly first half of last season. I like what I saw from him. Um, but there's probably not enough there. You know, there's not enough. The midfield. You know, he used to have like Frederick Horgan was one of the top players in the league. He's now gone. Yeah, he had injury problems. You know, or, or Dagic has, has moved on as well. They had Helter Sivert Helter Nielsen. Um, who, who was good back in the day? They just don't have the sort of the, the quality in those areas now. And up front, you know, Dode Bamba, we, we mentioned him a lot last year, didn't we? Below his, well below his expected goals tally. He's got to rebound this time. He's got to be, you know, improve. He's got to deliver them in front of goal and instead of missing his chances. I, I just think they'll be too inconsistent. I think they'll have good and bad days, uh, Bran. And um, yeah, I, I just don't see them really any better than, than mid table. Yeah, I mean they finished tenth last season. Am I right in saying? And they, they in in you know, looking at Wisecout. And by the way, um, a shout out to Wisecout, our partners again for this season coming. We will be partnering with them to bring you uh, the latest, a uh, fantastic data provider, a data scouting, a video scouting, a video analysis platform. Um, we will be partnering again this season in partnership with Just Football. So um, yeah, looking forward to that again with Wisecout. And according to to our partners, Wisecout, Stephen, we'll be we'll be doing blogs every month as well, which will you know. Um, We'll obviously talk about on the podcast and, and sort of uh, link to on Twitter at Nordic Football. But according to uh, according to Wisecout, they Brand had the fifth highest expected goals against in the league, well, fifth worst basically, which is which is terrible, mm. really, isn't it? Fifty three point three xG against. 
Um, when you look at it, you know, Start who relegated had 56.52. So uh, that doesn't bode well for Brandon. Have they done anything to tighten up this defence? And my secondary question here is, um, after you've answered that, tell us about Bergen, the city itself, because, it, I mean, you, you mentioned they're a big club. You know, as you say, this is a big city as well, isn't it? So it's got a sort of a proud history. Uh, they haven't actually signed anyone in, in defensive areas. They've got a guy back on loan, a youngster called David Moller-Wolf from Asane in the Boston League, only 25 appearances last season. Now, he's only 19-year-old left-back. I've never seen him play. He has been getting minutes in pre-season. I, I do, he may well be the starting left-back for them. I'm not sure. Um, but he could be one to watch. But apart from that, no, no reinforcements defensively. No reinforcements in, in sort of defensive midfield either. That that just concerns me. Um, I just, you know, I think they need it at least to bring in someone, you know, maybe centre back certainly would, would improve in that area. And, you know, I think they could be conceding quite a few goals again, to be honest with you. Can't be surely as worst as, as worse as battle as last year. But, um, and, you know, the city itself, I mean, you know, Bergen is, uh, is on the west coast of Norway. They're very beautiful. City. We did have, once have a, a guest on uh, from uh, from that region, uh, Sean. Um, I knew the club very well and the, the city very well. But um, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a nice part of Norway. I, obviously, I've never been there myself, but um, you know, it's kind of on its own out there. And um, this is a club that they're very passionate. It deserves better. It deserves better. They should be up there challenging for medals sort of regularly, and they need a plan going forward. They remind me a little bit where Volarenga were sort of five years ago, and I think they need they need to get a plan sort of in motion now to build for the next sort of half decade where they they need to be up there again. But at the moment, I just don't see enough. I don't see enough of a plan to get them in that position. There you go. So, Brand fans, tweet us on Twitter at Nordic Football. Let us know what you think. Um, I guess it's a slight improvement, in fairness. You know, you predict them to go up slightly. Uh, one player that I do think um, will be one to watch is, um, I know you've got your tend to watch coming, but one thing, one player I, I, I certainly would uh, be keen to watch this season in, in a league turn is Munga Simba at, uh, at Brand. I've, I've noticed they've signed him uh, from, from Sweden, from Vastaras in the, in the second tier. Uh, he actually was playing in the um, in the third tier, you know, not long ago and was then signed by Vastaras um, in August 2020. And I noticed him playing in the third tier in some games I saw last season, and I, I really liked him. I'm not surprised to see him step up to elite to Serian level at all. I thought it would be a matter of time before he moves to a to a good level. So, um, you know, if we're looking for sort of fancy player, maybe hidden gems, certainly he'll be one of my watch. 20 year old uh, Swedish player. So, yeah, Munga Simba. I think uh, keep keep an eye on him for brand fans. I'm interested. Yeah, he. Um, I think he hasn't got a work permit yet, or something along those lines. They will be. Uh, I was looking at the fantasy for. There's a couple of maybe players to watch. Petter Strand is, I think, their best player overall. He can play anywhere, and he takes a lot of the um, corners and stuff. Um, but he's a good technical player, Petter Strand. I can't believe I actually haven't mentioned him. I've got to talk about him before we finish about Brand. And um, I have always rated this guy. I think if he can stay fit, he will be a, a real stud for them. But um, you know, he probably needs a bit more quality around him. Fair enough. Yeah, so there's a few players to watch. Uh, sounds interesting. And they brought in uh, John Goodney Fjordison as well from uh, from uh, Krasnodar. He, again, wasn't... Oh, no, he's not. Uh, he's he gone now. Yeah, he's gone. Transfer marked uh, playing up from 
playing up with my my my. Pretty uh, sure he fooled you before, actually. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he fooled you before. <laughs> <laughs> I think I did the same on the on the Oswenska show as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the weird thing is, I've actually seen him play for Hammerby. So uh, this season, yeah, transfer mark, sort of not making us here. Uh, so, yeah, never again will I trust transfer mark on anything to do with John Goodney Fiolison. Uh, let's move on very quickly um, and take that the uh, take the bad egg from the egg on my face. Um, odd in night. That's your prediction. I feel like every single season, Edward Knight. Uh, probably, I think I'd be right to say that. Steve, am I wrong? Maybe, but uh, you've got Odin Knight. I get the feeling sometimes you just stick them in night so you can avoid talking about them. So I'm going to put you on the spot here and ask you about Odd and tell us tell us about Odd. I think I've got a player watch in my in my tent to watch from Odd. So maybe talk about him about later. Um, they did well last year. Musha Bakenga. Scored a lot of goals. It surprised me. If they can keep getting goals out of him, then I think they're going to do quite well. But they've lost Lebjorn Hoff, who was um, really amazing for them in midfield in 2020. They've lost Elva Rashani, who didn't always have the output you would expect from him, but he was a, a big player. Teams could focus on him. This is a this is a team for me that lack depth. Really, uh, they've got they've got sprinkling of quality all over the field. Espen Rude has been massive for them, the veteran right back in recent years. He's 37 year old now, though, he's, and he's had injured his Achilles, and he's out till the middle of summer, which is that's a big blow. You know, Stefan Hagen, 35 year old centre back. Um, you know how many, how much more is in his legs? They've signed Magnus Lekman in midfield, 33 year old. Um, I'm making them sound like geriatrics here. It's not just they do have youngsters as well. Um, they've got a reasonable mix and stuff. Um, I just think they're going to be a bit inconsistent. Be, I think they'll be good at home, but away from home, I'm a bit a bit doubtful. Um, and they do need Bakenga to keep scoring goals. And last season was the only season he's ever really been a consistent goal scorer. And I just wonder whether <clears throat> that's going to be a trend uh, where he, ki- you know, he, he kicks on from from last year. And there's no reason why he shouldn't. In fairness, I think he will go well. But it could have been just maybe a flash in the pan for, for 2020. I'm not sure. Um, I mean, they got, you know, they've signed a couple of interesting youngsters, Conrad Wallen from Arundel. Um, they've, they've signed a centre back, Solomon Owusu from Ralphos, quite a small technical defender, I do believe. Um, got a goalkeeper in Sandra Rosbeck, a fairly good one. Um, yeah, they'll be, they'll be, should be, they'll be knocking around mid table again, I think, Jonathan. Maybe even a could push top half. Uh, but there's nothing quite remarkable about them, I wouldn't say. Nothing quite remarkable except the fact that they are the oldest football club in Norway, according to uh, according to their website. Really, Norway's oldest existing football club, founded in eighteen ninety four. So uh, you know that's that's a pretty big achievement in itself. Uh, so if you're looking for a team with history, um, then Odd could be could be the team for you. I know Steve. Uh, you don't they don't normally have too much going on the pitch, do they? Maybe essentially, but they did have Fagoma before as a head coach. Yeah, I mean he established them quite well. Um, they've also played Dortmund in in European competition in in you know in the past sort of uh, sort of ten 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 years or so, twenty fifteen um, against Stuttgart Dortmund in Europa League qualifiers. So you know they got a few. I don't know what it is about, but I I quite like them for some reason. There's something about them that I do. Maybe it's the, the logo. And I know we're having our sort of logo competition in uh, Osvenskan. I do. There's something about 
Yeah, I could see if we, we do the Elite Azarian logo thing, I could they'll be up there with a chance of winning that. I mean, are they quite well supported? Are they, is they, you know, I mean, it looks to me like they're quite well supported from what I can see. Uh, stadium capacity 12,000. But we don't seem to sort of have many people that follow us on the pod, do they, who support us necessarily? Are they quite a big, are they, you know, who would you compare them to in, you know, say England or whatever? Are they, are they quite well? I mean, I know they wear black and white, so you, I don't want you to say Newcastle, but are they quite well supported or? You know, are they punching above their weight? Are they are they not punching above their weight? What's the they're from the city of Skien, which is kind of in the middle of nowhere ish between sort of since sort of the southwest region. They don't the problem is with all they don't really have a rival. I couldn't I don't think there's any clubs that like really hate them or anything. I mean Sandefjord is sort of a little bit of a soft rivalry. But they don't really have that spice with any they don't really have any beef with any clubs. Uh, they're not badly supported, but they're not obviously overly supported either, um, just because of the region they're in. Um, I don't mind them. I hope we can talk more about them this year. Really, they're, they're, they're not boring by any means. They, they do have some exciting young players in there. I'm going to talk about one of them later. And Joshua Kitalano, by the way, is another youngster in midfield who, who's really coming on and developing. Marcus Corsa's got better now. Um, Odin Biertoff, they've developed. They've got some good young talent. In terms of comparison, I mean, who in like England in the top two leagues doesn't really have a rival that no one really cares about? Um, I can't really. Try to think of someone. Um, I guess you could say it's sort of like Southampton, maybe. Although, you know, they've got Portsmouth, they? They got Portsmouth actually, haven't they? But you're looking for a club that's not really hated by anyone. Um, that, that sort of side, really. I can't think, off the top of my head, I can't think of anyone who's not hated by someone. I know, I know. Um, but yeah, I, I get your point. I do I do understand what you're saying there. So uh, let's move on. The, the sort of team, to be honest, I, I could imagine getting myself into I could imagine being a more football manager. They're, they're the sort of team that I don't know what it is about, them, but they, they do kind of appeal to me. If you do support Odd, then please let us know because uh, I'd be very interested to talk to you and find out a little bit more about them. But you've got them in ninth, and in tenth place, you've got another team that we you know don't tend to talk about too much, and that is Halgerson. Yeah, I just feel like you know I was on about Lillestrøm, sort of gradually drifted over the last two or three years they're in the league I, I do wonder if Augustin might go down that route if they're not careful they're um, very little action in and out of the club this this winter which I mean that can be a good thing don't get me wrong um, they've lost Christian Grindheim who was a really big sort of influence in the dressing room experienced veteran midfielder um, 37 year old you know maybe wasn't quite as impactful on the pitch but I think he could be missed in the dressing room they, they they've got some they, they like depth. The squad lacks depth, in my opinion. Uh, if they get injuries, they're in trouble. Um, but the, the actual starting the eleven and and sort of bench is not bad. You know, it's quite good in places. They've got um, they've always had got good defensive strength. Mikkel Desler, Alexander Stolas, Frederick Pallison Knudsen, and Benjamin Hansen. That is a pretty good back four when it's when it when it's available. Oh, Fredrickson as well good option but outside that who have they got you know goalkeeper situation could be i'm not even sure he's going to start in goal for them actually could be one of one of three three keepers um i'm not entirely sure there midfield's got a couple of good players like bruno leiter Tori pedersen uh and in attack they've you know they've got sort of wild cards like christopher velder who can be really good on this day ibrahim Awaji missed like half of last year with his drugs um ban but now they're going to have him for a full season. He's a key man, Ibrahim Avadji. They need goals off him. They signed Sondre Liseth from Myundalen, who could go quite well. And they've 
brought a guy in from Songdal in the second league, um, Aliun Endor. Nine goals and six assists for Songdal last season. So um, he can play sort of out of the wings uh, or up front. He could be an interesting sign. I don't know much about him, Aliun Endor. One to watch. Um, they've got enough quality to easily get, avoid getting sucked into a relegation battle. But I think they should hover around mid table again. You know, um, not really too much to say about Hogs, if I'm being brutally honest. Now, I do ask this every single season, but is my man Bruno Lighty still there? Yeah, he's still there. He's he's one of the he's an important player for them in, in midfield, you know. He um he's quite a consistent there, performer. Um I know you've always been a fan of him and yeah, I've I've always quite rated him myself, really. Yeah, I do like Bruno Lighty. He's the one I always thought might go on, but it doesn't seem like it. He's uh like he's been there for quite a while now, probably about as long as we've done this podcast, so uh I'm going to ask you a bit of a question, Steve, before we move on to the 11. Is there, has there been a dip in quality in the league to Serie in the last sort of a couple of years of the mid-range teams? Has there been a stretch stretching out of the quality in this league? Because I get the impression that there's now sort of five good teams, maybe potentially, and I get the impression that 6th to 12th, maybe you could argue, is much of a muchness. Is that your yeah. general feeling? Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree, certainly in terms of much of a muchness. Not saying the quality. I think probably quality maybe has gone down a little bit. I think um, the I think anyone at those clubs that sort of really shows great promise will move on quite quickly. You know, uh, I think in the past all of these teams always kind of had sort of a legend of the club. You know, even even a veteran that's come come back to come back somewhere and and been a key star man. I think probably a lot of these teams lack that now. Um, yeah, it doesn't help that big clubs like Brand I'm predicted down sort of in mid table um at the minute. But uh, yeah, I do kind of yeah, I would kind of agree with you. It's it's maybe a good point that the, the quality's dipped a little bit. Not significantly, but it has has a little bit, yeah. And what's the reason for that? Is that down to recruitment? Is that down to poor scouting? Is that down to less money? Is that down to yeah, COVID? COVID, I think. Just just a collection of small factors. And I think you know it is harder if you've got a really good talent on your hands. It's harder to keep hold of them, isn't it? Simple as that, really. Um, it, you know, in terms of August and here, yeah, I think they'll be they'll have some good days and bad days, really. And they're at the best when they're defending well. This club, this team, um, you know, grinding out the the clean sheets and stuff. But they just have wild dips in and out of form. It's quite hard to predict. But and when, when the defense dries up and they start making mistakes, they have problems because they can't rely on their attack to, to help them out but yeah when the defense starts firing they're consistent in that area they're, they're a handful for anyone uh, especially on their own uh, surface which is grass surface the weather can get quite windy at Hogersund and um, it's not a nice place to visit if the, if the forecast is bad let's move on then so you've got odd in ninth Hogersund in 10th who have you got in 11th uh, let's see who I got in 11th oh I've got Christiansen this year I think that's probably an upgrade on what I normally give them, and then they usually finish about six, don't they? So <laughs> it's the same old pattern for Christiansen, but um, I always, I always just end up looking, looking at them. They have to have the down season at some point soon. It just has to happen. They constantly overachieved in recent years, um, but how do you replace someone like Amal Pellegrino, who, who scored twenty-five goals and also five assists? He was absolutely monster for them. And in pre-season, I think they've struggled for goals. Um, he was at times it felt like they were one-dimensional in attack. It really did, and that is my big concern for for Christiansen this year. Where are the goals going to come from without Pellegrino? Yeah, and they lost their last um, friendly match before the season's set to begin. 
Um, you know, they've got a, you know, a few tough opening games, but, you know, nothing maybe they can't navigate. What's a general, you know, is there much to say about them? Is I mean, I, I quite like them because they've always proved you wrong. I mean, I remember you predicting them to go down about three years running. And they've always uh, punched you in the face. I remember them beating Rosenberg a couple of times as well when Rosenberg was sort of a, a big club in this league um, when they were the top dog, uh, or at least getting some points off them. Uh, so I've always quite liked their underdog status. Uh, they start with Mulder away, which isn't, isn't easiest, is it? But, uh, you know, what's their sort of formation? What are they looking to play? What's their style of play like? What are the reasons to sort of follow them if, if someone was looking to follow them? They'll, they'll usually play 4-3-3, sometimes 4-2-3-1. They're a counter-attacking team. They will not have much of the ball. If you look at the possession stats year on year, they'll be right down there, like probably 41 to 44%. Um, so they actually have problems when in matches where they're favourites, expecting to break down teams. But they're lethal on the break. That's why they have given problems to some of the bigger teams in the last few years. Like Moldy, you mentioned that. They had two a couple of two-all draws against Moldy last year. They will hit sides on the break. And obviously Pellegrino was a big big weapon for them in, in that sort of area. They've got pace up front. Um, but, you know, Fama Castrati is one of the guys they're going to be relying on these counter-attacks now. He really just couldn't hit a barn door last year. Uh, they've got Faris Pemi Mumbanga, another speedster, but he lacks a bit of clinicality. They've um, signed a guy from a Danish second division side, Federica, called Agon Mukoli. Um, he, he might be quite decent. They always seem to, they do actually have a good record in the transfer market, un unearthing a few gems. Um, there's a guy from Sturdles Blink. They brought in Sander Eric Carter, a centre midfielder. I don't know much about him, but I wouldn't be surprised. He did well last year, six goals, nine assists in the Obos of the game. So, yeah, he's probably sort of a conveyor belt of talent. They, they do rotate the squad a lot. It's quite a, a big squad, a lot of depth here. That's a big positive for Christian Sund, and, and you often you often get the manager rotate it around, like I say, keep players fresh. They'll be well-suited first 15 games. Great stuff. And, uh, yeah, yeah, um, interesting overview of their, their transfers there. Like you say, they do tend to bring in uh, quite a few interesting players. They've lost uh, the man. Well, hopefully, I'm checking transfer my now, and I'm a bit, a bit nervous every time I check it because they might, might throw me a curveball again. But <laughs> they've also lost your man Christopher CK, haven't they? Or Psyche. Mm, the best yeah. name in the football. Yeah, he was sort of... Um... It's for Ciche. He was a fantasy god at one point, wasn't he? Where he <laughs> clean sheets and goals. Um, he wasn't quite getting in the team as much as he would have wanted to, I don't think, back in the last year. The defence sort of often... I mean, it's got some decent underrated defenders like Aliou Kohli, Hotmark. And they've got a new lad in from Ralphos. Uh, Snor Strand Nielsen, a great name, that is. He's a right-back, but he can play across the board, I think, at the back. Um, they, they just tend to have a lot of underrated players. They've got Amidou Mido Diop, who's a great midfielder. I think a real engine, sort of Patrick Vieira type engine and, and build, actually. And, and they've got a lot of players who can play in a bunch of different positions. Um, so, but you know what? I've predicted them in 11th and I'm already regretting it. Jonathan. I just know they're going to somehow get much higher than that. But I just fear that the year I predict them high, they're going to be awful. So, yeah, they they hate you and you hate them. I, I think. hate them. No, no, I, hate them. I can't <laughs> like them. But <laughs> well, no, not hate, but you know, you you put it low, they go high. I think. Yeah. I think, I think yeah. they just enjoy putting one on you, which is, I've got to say, a big big reason why I've got a big big soft spot for them. Um, and uh, as for Snor Snor Strand Nielsen, let's just hope he doesn't fall uh, fall asleep at the back. Oh but, goodness um, me! <laughs> moving on. Um, 
in 12th, you've got Sarpsborg. Yeah, we're starting to get towards teams I think could get sucked into a relegation battle now. Um, I'm, I'm not at all saying Christensen will, by the way. I think they'll be absolutely fine. But I think Sarpsborg are a tough one. There's a, if things go wrong, I think they maybe could get sucked into trouble. Uh, they play an interesting, an unusual formation. You know, we we did a, uh, a very in-depth tactical analysis episode on the th- three at the back recently. If you haven't already listened or viewed that on YouTube, do give it a whirl. It was the most recent episode. But Sarsborg are using a three-four-three formation under Mickey Stara, and um, do you know what? I think it's just at times they got badly exposed last year. They didn't score enough goals. Uh, they, they had a good record generally inside down there, which was that's a positive. Um, I, I'm, I'm really struggling actually in terms of their prediction. I think they could be anything. They could be they could be down there struggling, or they you know if things go right, they could be you know top half. It's a difficult one to work out with them because they, they are a bit unusual, like I said. They're a different system to everyone else. And I don't. I, sometimes it gives them a good matchup, sometimes it doesn't. Um, they, they've signed quite a lot of players, um, which might work out, it might not. I'm, re- I'm really struggling with this, this team this year, to be honest, Jonathan. I think. Okay, um, yeah, I can tell. I can tell. It could be anything. <laughs> Sounds like, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a fair point. Sarpsborg. I don't know about them. It seems like a bit of a. They've not pulled up too many trees, have they, recently? I mean, they used to be all right, didn't they? Yeah, I think, you know, we they used to be very predictable. You knew what you were going to get with them. And the uh, guy back at 4-4-2. And, uh, you know, they were pretty easy to predict, really. They they were up there. They were challenging top half. Had a great year in Europa League. Now, it just feels like they're... I think they lack goals at times last year. That was my big concern. I'm not sure they're getting them this year either. Um, although they haven't like for signing strikers they've signed four this uh, off season they've brought a guy called Mubarak Kompore who I think is going to be more backup they brought Christian Opseth in from uh, Bengaluru in India ex Buda Glimtman he was a proven goal scorer at his levels I think if he gets service he can go well Ibrahim Akone has come in and Rashad Mohammed, who they once sold actually for £600,000 to a Turkish club he's he's on his way back um They've already got guys like Stefan Shalovic and Moss. I mean, who's if they're only playing with one striker? Who's going to get the job? I don't know. Um, but it's just like they're kind of searching for this guy who's going to get them goals. Um, they've got, I mean, on paper, they've got enough quality in, in defence and midfield that they should be fine. It's just I feel like the system doesn't always work, you know, and they can get dragged into negativity and. You know, this could be a really low prediction or it could be accurate. It's, um, as I said, it's just a tough side. Yeah, mm. fair enough, fair enough. Sounds um, sort of fairly tough to predict, but you, you've got them to sort of uh, keep their head above water this season, certainly. Uh, now, let's, on that subject, move towards the relegation zone because we've got four teams left. Two will go down. One will be in the relegation playoff. Now, traditionally, we sort of do touch on these relegation teams in some detail, but... Uh, you made an interesting point before we started recording. You know why? Why are we giving these uh, relegation teams so much, so much airtime? So uh, I don't know if you want to just go through your predicted bottom four right now in in order. Uh, you fancy doing that, Steve? Yeah. Well, in thirteenth place, I've got Tromso, newly promoted Tromso, of course. Fourteenth for the playoff spot, Trump's got set. Fifteenth, I'm going Mjern down this year. Sixteenth, I'm going with with Sanderfield. So yeah, those bottom two straight down, and um, I, I think. These are the four teams that look most at risk of, of getting dragged in into trouble, really. And 
we're being honest, I, I was a little bit negative perhaps about Sarpsborg then. If I look at them on paper, they've surely got enough to, to avoid a, a relegation battle. So I think for the, these four teams, they're going to be uh, finding out. You know, the two I'm, I'm quite keen to touch on, um, uh, although beyond that as well, to be fair, you know, we've, we've had some compelling interviews with them in the past, haven't we, and their manager. Um, but I'm quite keen to touch on Tromso and the kind of nightmare that's been going on at Troms Godset because that yeah, is a bit yeah. of a, a chaotic situation, isn't it? But I want to, uh, let's start on a positive with Tromso, they're back. And a um, bit of a hellish year for them, isn't it? Because they've they've obviously won promotion, uh, won the Obos League end, didn't they, as well? But uh, they did have to watch their neighbours, you know, go through nearly an unbeaten season. And traditionally, they're actually considered a bigger club than Budaglin, aren't they, Steve? So just tell us about that northern rivalry up there and, and how good is it to have Tromso back? It is great to have them back. It's the first game of the season, actually, Budiglint against Tromso. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, they've fallen on on times that they wouldn't have expected, you know, going down. I suppose going down isn't unusual for them, but to see Budiglint rise must be very painful. I mean, this kind of sums it up. They've, they've, they've brought in Isaac Amundsen on loan from Budiglint. I mean, that's almost embarrassing, I think, for Tromso. Um, to be relying on, you know, on a youngster from Glimp to help them out. But they, at the end of the day, they've got to be practical here. They need to stay in the league. And, um, you yeah, know, this is a squad. It's not the, the most in-depth squad. Um, you know, they've not signed too many new guys this year. But I'm, I'm positive. I've got a... I think they're going to use the home advantage well. It's a long way up north. If they get that right, they can use that to their advantage. Um, they've got some experience in defence. Simon Wangler still going on. I think midfield, they've got Ruben Jensen, who's again another veteran of, of skill and it's experience, and, and that'll go well. They've got some sort of interesting players like Eric Catalano, Runa Espiord, if they can stay fit. And I think they've got enough. Moses Derby's a, it looks like an interesting sign from Hamcam. Um, yeah, I, I think they can just about have enough to keep their heads above water, but it will, it will be a bit of a battle for Toronto. They've just got to stay in the league this year. And, and build from there and and you know obviously it doesn't help with the Buda Glimp situation yeah you're predicting a, uh, a successful season for them in the sense that you think they'll stay up but uh, a bit of a nightmare part two on Elm Street because you're also predicting that they'll have to watch Buda Glimp win the league again so certainly an interesting one to keep keep, keep track of and that, that is an interesting rivalry there that we may cover in, in you know weeks to come and obviously like you said they play each other the first game of the season so I'm sure we'll have a few things to say about that and I find it quite interesting, isn't it? Because it shows you how, you know, rivalries can sort of transform and turn, isn't it? You, you, in terms of fans, maybe five, ten years ago, might never have seen this coming, but it shows you how football can, can switch quite quickly, doesn't it? And, uh, you know, you're, you're sort of, uh, well, I've seen this happen before myself with Man, Man United Man City. In fairness, it's almost a quite an apt comparison to me in some ways. Um, you know, the team becoming sort of uh, the no, no, nasty neighbours or whatever they call it, isn't it? So, um yeah, yeah that's, that's one to follow for the seasons to come. But in in um, in the relegation playoff, you've gone for Strom's Godset. Now this is a uh, uh, let's say a, a lot of turbulence at the club, isn't it, Steve? It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. I mean, on the field they were a bit of a mess the last two seasons, only just surviving by the skin of their teeth. And um, <clears throat> I, I always actually thought Henrik Pedersen was initially moving the club in the right direction. Although last year a lot would disagree with that. And you can't really not you argue with the results. But really, what's gone wrong for them is now off the field in, in the off-season. It was a very documented event. Um, we probably should have touched on this in an episode at some point, but I don't think we quite had the right timing. But we, we certainly will now. 
Um, but there was uh, basically Henrik Pedersen has ended up losing his job, a strong Scott said, the, the manager, uh, due to uh, unfortunately some race racial accusations that uh, he incited towards a player on, on the training field. Um, some other stuff came out that he was uh, sexist towards a female reporter, um, things like that. And, um, you know, probably sort of a no smoke without a fire thing. He strongly rejected these claims. But, um, you know, one thing after another, and ultimately he's, he's left his job he, by mutual consent. They sacked him, his position became untenable. You know, when seven players um, accused the manager of, of, of using some racial terms, you know, it's it's very un unacceptable, isn't it? And um, I just, you know, forgetting the racial aspect for a minute, kind of sums up Strom's guts in the last two or three years. They just seem a mess of a club. They're sliding. They they they're getting not stale, but they're they're in this slump. And I mentioned the illustration before. I just said at some point they're going to go down. This club. I don't know when. Maybe it'll be this season. Maybe it'll be next. But until they sort themselves out. They are they're heading in one direction. It's, it's downwards. It's a fascinating insight there, and a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare. I mean, it did finish thirteenth last season. So you're only. Pretty, I mean, usually when a club goes into this sort of massive turmoil with you know the whole board and everyone at odds against each other, the players, the managers, you suggest that they might dip quite quite further down than than one place. But you've only got them to go down one place. So what what are the, are the potential positives that you think could see them sort of maybe just stay up by the skin of the teeth? Because you know, it's only like I say, a dip of one place. So it's not potentially a disaster for them, is it? From your point of view, mm. is it? yeah. Um, why am I positive? Because the on paper they've actually got a better. On paper they've got a better quality squad than uh, the two that I'm going to talk about soon, Mjendal um, and Sandefield, and they've got a better quality on paper than Tromso as well, really, and maybe even a couple of teams in sort of mid-table vicinity. You know, when we look at the, the back, they've got like Lars Velsvik. He was one of the best right backs in the league not too long ago. Jonathan Parr. Nicholas Mickelson's a great, a good young prospect. They've got a couple of centre-backs. Duplex Chamberfee's fits. Lifeson wasn't too bad last season. In midfield, Mikel Mygaard's pretty good technically. Can't knock that. Um, you know, Johan Hover is a really interesting prospect in, prospect in midfield. Up front, they did have Lars Jürgen Salveson, a great target man. Sadly, he's out for the season, done his ACL in. That's a massive loss, by the way. Absolutely huge player for them. And they brought in Fred Friday from AZ Altmar. Seen a lot of different opinions about him over the off season. Um, I, I think he can score goals, um, but you know the jury's out. They haven't. He's the only signing actually, Fred Friday. They've really been quiet in the transfer market. Uh, God said, and I'm not sure. I don't think that's a good thing. They've got now got two joint managers, Bjorn Petteringa Brixen, who's managed them before, and Hakon Wiebelund, who's another guy who was in charge of them briefly at one point. They're interim, so. You know, they need to sort the managerial situation. I mean, you're bringing someone permanently, make him the boss. But, yeah, I mean, on paper, they do have some quality on the board if things can go right. But I sense the bad atmosphere around the place. They're not well managed. Um, and, you know, maybe the recruitment's not what it should be. So that's really the main reasons that I really think they're going to struggle. Even then, though, they, they should probably have enough to avoid uh, direct relegation. Fair enough for that. So, uh, yeah, there's the reason. So, fair, thanks for that, Steve. A good overview. Um, and yeah, you know, like you said, it was a bit of a bit of a mess of a club in terms of the the situation. It was clarified by the by the club board and and, and, and that kind of thing. So, you know, we say goodbye to Pedersen, but uh, yeah, in a sort of slightly disappointing terms, really, isn't it? 
Mm. Um, but you've got two to go down. There has to be two that go down. And you've got Mundalen and Sanderfield. Yeah, Mundalen. For me, Mundalen have the worst squad on paper, probably. Um, and they, they hung on. I don't know how they stayed up last year, to be honest. They, they wouldn't have stayed up. Uh, were it not for VAR. If VAR was actually in the playoff match, they would have uh, gone down. There was a key decision late in that game, an offside that um, enabled them to stay up. And um, yeah, ultimately, uh, as I say on paper, it's it's a weak squad. They just they just lack the quality, you know, the resources here. They, they, you know, Mega Hans has done a fantastic job to keep them so competitive. Physical side, great on set pieces. But they do lack quality and depth and the reason I've not got them bottom is because he always gets the most out of them and they'll probably get points when they shouldn't. But for me, they, they do lack the, the quality on paper. And, and, and Sanderfjord, again, it's a weak-looking squad. Really, the main reason I think they stayed up last season was the manager, Marty Sifuentes, was just uh, this tactical genius at times. He, he really got the absolute most out of the team. He, he's moved on now to a club in, in Denmark. Um, so that'll be a big loss. Sandefjord Field finished 11th last year, um, but they definitely overachieved in terms of the points, expected goals and stuff like that. I think they can regress to the mean. Um, I mean, they're not shocking. You know, they've got both sides of, do have their odd, the, the odd good player in there, but um, I just I just think it's significantly a worse looking. These these two teams have the worst looking squads on paper, and that ultimately will tell. Sandefjord, by the way, they've got a joint manager situation as well. Hans Eric Odegaard and Andreas Tegstrom are in charge. Again, I don't like that. I think you need a main man in, in charge. I just don't think the joint thing will work. And uh, I could see them. The, the last time they were in the league, they uh, they survived the first season, and then the next year they were rock bottom. And something similar again. Sadly, I think for Sandefjord, I think these, I think these both these sides go down automatically. Fair enough. That's a pretty, you know, pretty fair enough overview. Uh, so let's recap the table before we um, take a break before part three and our 10 to watch. Uh, so we've got 16th, Sjanderfjord, 15th, Mion Dallin, 14th, Strumsgodset, 13th, Tromso, 12th, Salzburg, 11th, Christiansund, 10th, Halbersund, 9th, Odds, BK, 8th, Brand, 7th, Lillestrom, 6th, Starbeck, 5th, Viking, 4th, Rosenborg, third Mulder, second Orlerenga, first and champions retaining the title, Boodoo Glimt. Uh, are you happy with your table, Steve? Uh, no, because I know there's going to be teams that prove me completely wrong, but uh, hopefully I get a few right as well. And, uh, you know, time will tell. Fair enough. Fantastic stuff. And uh, that's it for part two. Coming from part three, we'll look at your 10 to watch. And I'm quite excited about this because it's always a famous part of the. Uh, it's always a popular part of the podcast, so tune in in part three and we will go through Meat Man Soccer's 10 to watch in the League to in this season. Stay tuned. Welcome to part three of the Nordic Football Podcast, Elite Serien. 2021 Norway season preview um, the special episode as we say as we did in, in Sweden a few uh, weeks ago and the final part of this episode is the 10 players to watch for you this season maybe this could be for your fantasy team could be could be just in general could be players that we think are gonna you know have excel and then move on to to, to pastures new catch them while you can style so um 
generally speaking, before we get into this, Steve, there's always been a, there's been a real sort of influx of interest in Scandinavia and Norway in particular, isn't it, for, for players at the moment, just because of the success of the likes of Hauger, Hakon Evian and others, isn't there? So uh, just give us an overview before we get into your turn of, of what the situation, you know, a lot of teams are being scouted, aren't they, at this moment in time in, in the league zone? I think there's never been more interest in players in this region than there has been now. Um, because just simply because of the talent that's come through there in the recent years, I think people, teams uh, are, are taking note of, you know, suddenly, hold on a minute, there's a bit of a hotbed here going on. And I also think it's probably um, becomes an attractive place for, um, for certain players to come into as well because they think they're going to get noticed more. So, um, yeah, it, it's there's certainly, I mean, in terms of my tend to watch here this year, I always like to have two or three older guys in. And, but in this particular instance, I've only gone with sort of one guy one older dog uh, most of me tend to watch are on the younger side who can probably develop and you know and ultimately may end up leaving the league even this season yeah we tend to have different approaches on this podcast uh, myself and steve I, I usually go for young players who i think will leave the league um and i do you know i do uh, i do like my turn to watch whereas you you like you say you, you tend to go for a bit more established but i noticed on this list there's quite a few young players here steve so you had a change of heart, haven't you? I, I have, and you come into my thinking. <laughs> yes, I think it's your influence here. <laughs> um, but I, <laughs> yeah, I, I probably could have maybe put a couple more veterans on there. That I mean, my in the way I see it, tend to watch. It's not always about youngsters that come through and develop and going to become better. It's about players that can make an impact for their club this season. You know, whether he's thirty-five year old, you know, one to watch can mean want to watch in many different ways yeah i definitely agree with that i think we have slightly different approaches but uh it's that that makes for an uh, an interesting debate an interesting podcast that's that's the whole point of it you know we uh we're both strong-minded and, and we have our own opinions on what one to watch means so that's that's the beauty of this show uh, there's no rules and uh, we can, you can kind of do what we want to a certain extent from that point of view so steve take away your attempt to watch for this season i don't know if you want to go in order of you know name and then a bit of an explanation or do you want to reel off the names you know and then we'll go into them I think we'll go um, into, ooh, I don't know what I'll, I'll read them all out now, actually. Yes, and um, so, uh, Ola Solbakken from Buda Glimt, uh, Arna Selen Hegebo from Bran, uh, Yermun Arsen, the only really old guy on this list from Lillestrøm, uh, Emil Conradson Saida from Rosenborg, a bit of a controversial one there, for those who know this podcast, David Datro for Farn from Molder, Philip Ronigan Jorgensen from Odd. Eric Kitalano, Tromso, Henrik Hegheim, uh, Viking, Sakarius Opsal, Molarenga, and Sterler Otterson from Starbeck. And uh, I will start things off with Ola Solvakin at Buda Glimt. And the, I feel like, for me, he's the first name on my fantasy sheet this year because he is going to be taking over the likes of the sort of the Zinkenagel role or the Jens Petterhager role out wide. And I saw signs at the back end of last year that he was going to sort of develop and improve and, 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 and fill those boots. He's a bit more physical than both of them. He's a bit more height to him, and I feel like he's got a bit more physical strength. Maybe he lacks it technically uh, and agility-wise compared to them guys, but he's, 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 he's older now. He's going to get a lot of minutes to the side. Someone is going to be picking up the um, you know the goals and assists and, and stuff in this Buda Gloom system. I think Solbakken is primed to do that. So he's the first guy on my list to watch. 
Yeah, as you mentioned, the 22-year-old winger from, from Buda Glimt. Uh, an interesting one. What, what, what style of winger is he? Uh, not wide, not quite wide target man, but he's a bit more sort of physical. I think he's he glides on the ball quite well actually. Um, just kind of makes things happen, you know. And yeah, I think over the winter he probably would have improved a lot more. I'm looking forward to seeing him in action again. Um, always really, his finishing is quite good actually. Probably a million a bit more clinical than the likes of Zinkenagel and that potentially if he works on it a bit more. So um, yeah, I think he's he can have a really big year. In a t- in a quality team in a quality system, um, that will will create a lot of chances. Very interesting stuff. Second on your list is uh, as you say, Alanis Selan Hegebo, uh, a nineteen year old striker at Brand. Yeah. Now the thing is at Brand. Now you I mentioned Oda Bamba before how he flattered to deceive last year. Now if that continues, I think the manager's going to have to look at either shifting on Bamba or dropping him, and. This young lad who was on loan last year in the again for Urgard and scored nine goals and also had nine assists. Now, he can play striker. I think he can play out wide as well a bit, um, which is handy in a, like a 4-3-3 system. But I think he'll start the season as like the first substitute that comes on in attack. And if he takes his chances, you know, he could end up becoming a starter if other players fail. So, you know, if Bamba's not knocking him in and he's, you know, struggling again, why not give this Hegabo a go up top? And, you know, I don't know an awful lot about him, but I think he, he definitely is one to watch. If you know, that's, a, that's a fair record in a poor side in the Obos last year. And I think Bran will be, would be foolish not to give him minutes to develop. So he could be certainly a surprise. Next on your list, you've got Guillermo and Asen. And this is the oldest player on your list, isn't it? It's a bit of an old head here. Yeah, I just feel like he has been one of the better players actually at Rosenborg in the last two years. He's been hampered by injury a bit. He's not been played in the right positions. He's not been given a fair enough crack of the whip. And there's more in his tank. He's a, he, I've always rated him. He's a great talent. He's been around the block. He's 30 now. This Lillestrom side is going to rebound. I think he'll be on quite a few of the set pieces at times. He'll be a driving force, use the experience if he can stay fit. And I just, I just always sense there's more, a lot more for him to give in recent times and he could explode again here at Lillestrom this season. He's old. Yeah, he's 30 now. But uh, I really think this could be a golden year for, for Jermund at Assen. Now, the next player on your list, it's a bit of a controversial one here, Steve. I don't want to uh, say too much. So I'm going to just let you introduce him and then I'll make my comments afterwards. So this is Emil Conradson Sider at Drusenborg. Now, there was an episode, now was it last year, Jonathan, or was it the year before? Um, last where season. Last season, I, I kind of really ridiculed him. Um, I was uh, slagging him off a bit. So basically, I'm just covering my own ass here. <laughs> no, no the thing is right. It, I believe if Rosenborg are to have a good year, he has to explode. It, it, for me, it's now or never for this for this player. He has to kick on now. And he's only 20 year old, and I kind of criticised him last year. I, d- I said I don't think he ever will reach a certain level. Um, but if he is to actually sort of exceed himself and kick on, it, for me, it has to be now. It's, n- it's near enough now or never. Um, what he, what he's the one player in that Rosenborg team who's got the pace, the flair, 
and maybe sort of the unexpected nature. He can make things happen. His decision-making, I still don't trust it. I still don't trust his finishing, but he can make things happen. And he's kind of the the odd one out in that sort of midfield and attack. He offers something different to them. And if it, if things go right for him, he does make some strides. He could have a big year. Big year. He could. Could. He's just an interesting player for me. I've, I've got a good feeling he might surprise in a positive way. But equally, he, 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 you know, if he doesn't make these developments, he could he could flop. But just a gut feeling here, he he because they need him to perform, he goes well. Yeah, I remember that show quite well, quite vividly. Yeah, you you did. I think the funny thing about it was we we had sort of we picked our sort of two talent. It was a talent focus, wasn't it? And <laughs> you know, you took your talent focus and that's how you ripped into pieces. So. Uh, but I do think, you know, you, as you've identified there, you, there is a bit of a gem of a player in there somewhere. I think that was what yeah. we can sort of get across. And um, let's see if he can kind of show why he's so widely kind of uh, tipped to be a big player. So let's see how he gets on. Emil Conrad's inside is certainly one to watch this season. Now, the next player on your list is someone that I remember talking about in preseason, uh, ahead of Mulder's big game in the Europa League against Hoffenheim. He caught my eye, certainly. I remember reading his name on the team sheet. Uh, to you, and uh, you've now seen enough to put him on your centre watch. Yeah, David Datra Fafana at Molde, striker, attacker. They signed him from Abidjan City, um, and you know he was he he was compared uh, to uh, you know very highly. You know when when this move happened, we we saw him in the Europa League. If he's you know catching against uh, Hoffenheim. He's only eighteen year old, which you know let's be realistic here. We let's not expect miracles. He's still going to be raw at times, and whether or not he's going to like be regularly starting, I'm not sure. But it's clear Mulder have a gem of a player on their hands here, uh, who will develop as the season goes on. He's he's very physical, fast, um, and it looked like he's got uh, you know the technique as well to shine. He could he could prove absolutely lethal at times, and this is a very obvious ten uh, player in, in, in the ten to watch list. I'd imagine he would make most people's list really. Um, just simply have to make the point that yeah, he, he is one to watch. Yeah, I like what I've seen of him. To be honest, I think he he's got a lot of potential. Um, let's move on, and you've got uh, Philip Running and Jorgensen next on your list. And it's, it's an odd player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I noticed he was getting more minutes last year. Uh, this is a defensive midfielder, sort of centre mid as well. Um, Philip uh, Running and Jorgensen, um, nineteen year old, and you know I think another year under his belt, another winter under his belt, he can develop and but they've lost Vebion Hoff to Rosenborg. It, it kind of opens up a slot. And they have brought in Magnus Lekvin from, from Volarenga, but you know he's getting on a bit. He's 33. He's not going to start all the time. I think it's time that Jorgensen steps up a bit. And they've got the the makings of an interesting sort of midfield now. Um with youngsters like Joshua Kitalano uh Kitalano Marcus Corsa is still quite young as well. But Jorgensen could make that step up become more of a regular starter this year. Um, he's got, I think he's got a good mixture of, of sort of physique and technique, um, and you know now he's another year old at nineteen. He could be, you know, he's it's not a flash position, is it? Sort of centre midfield, defensive midfielder, um, but uh, this is a spot. You know, he's doing a lot of dirty work and and, and everything like that. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like he can certainly become a regular starter for Rod by the end of this season, and and could go very well. One extra reason to watch Odds BK this season, then that's uh, what I like to hear. What I like to hear. So, uh, Eric Kitalano is next on your list. 
Well, the force runs strong in the Kitalano family, doesn't it? Um, as they say, and uh, there's so many around, they're like rabbits. Um, but Eric Kitalano, I think if Trump's are going to have a good year, he's going to he's going to play a big part. He you know, in the Obos last 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 season, he scored 11 goals and provided six assists as well. Quite where his best position is, I'm not sure. Like I genuinely list him, he can play anywhere, sort of in midfield and attack, striker as well. I'm not sure exactly where he's going to feature, but um, dynamic player. Uh, he'll offer them some, you know, good sort of pacey option at times. And as with all the Kitalanos, they can be a bit wavy in front of goal sometimes, maybe lack a bit of composure. But um, an exciting player for Tromsø. You know, they, they're going to need someone a bit reliable in that spot. I think he's one of the more less injury-prone players for them in that area of the field as well. So he will play I say, anywhere in that sort of final third, even centre mid. So Eric Eric Catalano at Tromso. I felt I wanted to get a Tromso player on this tent to watch this. So felt like he I could have gone with Moses a B, but I think uh, Eric Catalano definitely one to watch this year. Yeah, it's quite a diverse list of uh, of of players in terms of clubs. You've got a good variety here, and Tromso one to watch. Catalanos, I've got to say, I, I find hard to keep up with the Catalanos. <laughs> um, maybe they should have a series a bit like keep, keeping up with the Kardashians. But um, no, fair enough. It's, uh, it's good to see a sport, sporting family, clearly. Uh, next on your list, you've got a player at Viking and you've got a centre-back here. Yeah, Henrik uh, Hegheim, I think I wrote about him on the, one of the Scout blogs last year. This is a pretty obvious one. Um, it's not even. It's almost a bit cheating, actually, because he was so good last year that, um, you know, you could even include him as a, as a tent to watch. I just think he can get even better. 19-year-old centre-back. Um, he can work on the weaknesses in his game. Um, and, and and really improve. I think he's uh, got a hell of a, a year ahead of him. I think by the end of this season, he could end up moving on, either out of the league or to maybe one of the big clubs in the elite area. Um, uh, I think hopefully we can, can keep hold of him for for a whole calendar, whole season at least. But uh, yeah, I think I talked to him a bit last year. Really good young young prospect in defence who um, who's got great physicals and he's got a good sense of positioning. Uh, especially so yeah i was good i do i wanted to include a center back on this list sadly and i'm absolutely good at this i've not got a goalkeeper on this 10 to watch list or this season which i hate that i love my goalkeepers i just couldn't find anyone really um uh, worth putting on there um that i mean i had christopher Clarkson last year so i couldn't have him again so i was a bit good about lack of um goalkeepers but yeah i've got a good center back on, on the list this year in henrik uh, hegheim in one sentence only, because we're a bit short of time here, who is the best goalkeeper in Elisa Serin? I think Andreas Linder at Mulder, still just. Fair enough, that, that makes up for you. Yeah, I know you do like your goalkeepers, so uh, yeah, that's uh, Henrik, Henrik Hegheim at Viking. Next on the list, you've got a player at Wallerenga, and you're predicting him to be good on the pitch, and you're also predicting them to have a player who could be a bit of a gem. Sicarius Opsal. He's back from a good loan spell at Tromso last year. 29 appearances in the Obosl again. He weighed in with a few goals and, a, and some assists as well. And I think he's getting he's been getting minutes in pre-season. And I hope he continues to get minutes because he's now 21-year-old. He's always been kind of touted as a good prospect. And I feel like with a whole year of football under his belt, he's um, he's ready. He's ready more. And he's, getting, he's at a good club. He's at a good team surrounded by some top players and you have know, a few midfielders at, at, at Volarenga like Thiago Holm and Felix Myra. 
you know, Sahawi in a different type of midfielder. They've even got a youngster, Matthias Emilson. But I think Opsal um, is definitely uh, potentially one to I'm not as confident about this one, to be honest, Jonathan. I've got a feeling he probably won't get enough minutes, but I just wonder what he's got in his tank now after a whole year of football under his belt. So, um, yeah, he, I hope he can develop. Yeah, and if he doesn't get enough minutes, I mean, uh, Osam Sarawi and uh, Odin Tiago are certainly two players as well that could potentially could potentially rack up a lot of minutes as well, aren't they? So a lot of players to watch, which is an interesting thing, mm. interesting development, because they... In the dial years, weren't weren't that probably so exciting to watch, were they? But uh, it's good to see. Um, and finally, on your list, the spotlight on Starbeck. You've got a right back here, twenty years old. Who is he? Sterler Otterson. He caught my eye at the back end of last year. Um, I just, I, I think he he could be one of these, uh, another one of these young talents that Starbeck's seem to breed and develop. And um, I think especially he's got. Good pace, as you expect of most fullbacks, but um, just someone I think can think at Starbeck, right? Players can move upwards and develop very, very quickly. Sometimes it's like in the space of just a few weeks or a few months, you often get feel like, where have you come from? Where did he come from? Like this suddenly, and I just wonder if Otterson could be one of them lads. Yeah, you know, it could go the other way as well, but he he's set to be starting for them there in that spot at right back. He can, I think, play left back as well. Just one that caught my eye back in the last season, and I wanted to get a Starbeck player in this tent to watch. So, Otterson um, fits the bill. Fantastic stuff, Steve. Congratulations, you've made it to the end of this Norway Elite Serie season preview 2021 on the Nordic Football Podcast. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it, Steve, as well. You've earned a good, good rest. So, uh, well done for uh, your detailed research and uh, appraisals. So, yeah, let's see. How the league goes. Let's see how you tend to watch go. And um, you can catch us on Twitter at Nordic Football. If you support any of the teams or if you've got any comments on the pod- podcast, do let us know your thoughts. We're also on patreon.com slash Nordic Football Podcast if you want to uh, buy Steve a coffee or maybe a, a vegan sandwich for his uh, <laughs> his uh, exploits this this season with that, that, that uh, preview show. Very, very good. And um, yeah, we, we, we have had a few bonus episodes in recent weeks just to, just to quickly touch on that. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how we go with that in terms of how we divide it between Norway and Sweden. But certainly, I think we'll still provide some some tips and that, that kind of thing on on the, on the bonus show on Patreon. So do tune in if you enjoy it. Uh, we've had some good feedback from our patrons as well. So thanks a lot for that. Uh, Steve, where can people find you if they want to tweet your abuse for their team uh, being less, you know, lower down the table than they expect? At Meatman Soccer, that's where you can tweet at me. At Meatman Soccer, and uh, you can find me on Twitter at JF Football, J F F U T B O L. We're not covering Sweden this week because uh, you know we've given you some solid content to t- get your teeth into on this episode. I think in Norway. So um, for your first game of the season this weekend, it's going to be very very exciting. Molde Troms are maybe one of the bigger games. Uh, sorry, Buda Glimp Troms are one of the bigger games, the big derby up north. And we will be back with obviously as we always do more content, more interviews, more features, plenty in both Sweden and Norway. Uh, as the weeks come and go ahead. So, yeah, thanks a lot, Steve. You've done very well there. Appreciate your time, everyone. If you've uh, listening right to the end of this, then really, really do appreciate your time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Hope you enjoyed it. And, yeah, leave your feedback. Uh, anything, anything is welcome. Take care. Thanks very much, guys. See you next week. <laughs>